What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Don't Give Up the Shed Podcast. So, episode 58. Uh, this is Goats After Dark Rev 2. Uh, I got to do it with another group of awesome chiefs and friends of mine. Uh, so, it's BMC Thompson from episode 52. Uh, thoroughly run through. If you listen to that one, uh, he, he's on here with us. And then the EODC that we did Fire in the Hole with, uh, Nick, he's on here as well. And then Chief Bob uh, is on here as well. Uh, it was a really... It was a really cool conversation. It, it runs a gamut, kind of like the last one. We went all over the place with it, uh, but we had a lot of really interesting conversations on everything and anything, leadership stuff, uh, emotional intelligence. Just like we went all over the place and it was really, it's really fun talking to these guys all the time. Um, and we kind of, we went through some of the stuff I've been going through with uh, treatment and all, all kinds of stuff, but it was it was really fun. Uh, I really enjoy talking to these guys, and I hope you guys enjoy the interview. I'm cl- I'm hitting record right now, and we can just go. But yeah, that was one of the things was was the exam stuff, and then, um, and like I haven't because like all the crazy COVIDness, like I again, it happened in concert with holy shit, I have cancer. So like I haven't been paying attention at all to like all the stuff. I've like I'll share stuff because I'm like. I'm plugged into like everything on Facebook just so that I can share stuff on the podcast platform. So like I saw the, Hey, we're delaying it and I just shared it, but I didn't read it, (laughs) which makes me feel. If you don't have nav admin viewer on your phone, like, are you even a chief? Yeah, no, I know I do. (laughs) (laughs) I do. But like, I just, I purposely have been avoiding the stuff. Cause like I said, like I, I was kind of, I was kind of taking the attitude of like, look, I'm sick, not dead. Like you guys can still talk to me and, keep me in the loop of what's going on and I'll just kind of passively be here if anybody needs me. And I got an NMCI computer. So like if somebody needs help with something, I can work from home and uh, my once, doc. Once again, you had your skull operating yeah. around, bro. I, th- I, think, I think maybe, yeah. you know, recoup and relax for a while. And that's you know? my doc. Like uh, he like drew a line around me and was just like, no, like you guys leave him alone. Don't yeah. talk to him. And he just kept yelling at me, like focus you on never, your treatment. He's like, I don't, you I don't want you involved seen- in any of this. You guys never seen Shawshank Redemption where he talks about I'm institutionalized. Yeah, yeah you know, man. I had, I had <laughs> I'm programmed. Got to ask a guy to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, you don't have to ask, but he's like, I feel wrong not doing it. Yeah, yeah no, I totally can relate. <laughs> <laughs> I can completely relate. And so that's like I had to have him like yell at me to tell me to calm down and just back off and leave it alone. So then I kind of was like went to the polar end of the opposite end of the spectrum of like I purposely have not been plugging into it because it's like i find it's kind of like been healthy like that's like been mentally like it it definitely speaks to the whole concept that is starting to blow up now about you know work-life balance and yeah i mean let's be realistic the work-life balance for a good chief is i mean the lines are so blurred because this is Um, yeah a lifestyle Um, it's a religion it's a business it's a job i'm terrible this this is a lot you know and yeah I think it's it's absolutely crucial to unplug. Of course, my sailors know that they can reach out anytime. But when I leave work, I have to make a mental shift in my head. Like I, I yeah. actually focus on hitting an imaginary switch in my skull and I reinforce that. I take a shower as soon as I get home, kind of wash the day off of me because it's intense. Yeah. You know, when you're coping with sailors problems all day long and then you're looking at your own personal life like I haven't paid the bill that I need to pay. Um, my car insurance is about to expire. I need to get new tags on my car. I need to fix the, the hot water heater. I got to mow the lawn. You know, it's just, yeah. you have to focus on that. And I'm, you know, I'm getting ready to retire in two years and 
it's essential because, you know, the last salute comes for all of us. Yeah, man. And like I, I, uh, the other day, so like I went, I started radiation on Wednesday and we came out of there and I broke down in my car and I didn't even know why. And I was like, cause I was telling my wife, like, I'm fine. And like every prognosis I've got is like, you're, you're nine, five percent or better. Never going to have a problem with this again. Once we, you know, do all the treatments and stuff. And like, so like, and it's one of those things where like, I've got, I get anxiety about stuff. That's like, I should be worried about that. I should, I'm like preparing for, and it's stressing me out a little bit, but it's like, I know, I know what I'm doing, but I'm like an over preparer. Like I compulsively try to do everything I possibly can to be ready for a thing. So like, yeah, I'd be at sea on deployment and like, I know the next day we're doing like drills and then I got to go to PD and then I got to do all this other stuff. And it's like, I'm responsible for ship safety and these, you know, guys driving the boat are looking at me going, what's next. And like, I got the chief of the watch and the officer deck and all these people are like counting on me to not screw this up. So like that kind of stuff would like keep me up at night a little bit, like dwelling on, am I prepared? Have I done everything I need to do and checked every box? But like going into this treatment, like I'm genuinely not worried about it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, oh, yeah, like the surgery was a scary part that got done. I'm recovered from it. And so like radiation, I was just like, yeah, I just got to show up. And it's literally like it sounds dramatic. I go in there, they strap me to a table and I got this crazy mesh thing on my face and like this mouth guard in and they like zap me a couple times. It's like getting x-rays at dental, but a little more extreme. I'm there for 20 minutes, man. And then I walk out and it's like, that's it. And we just like high five my tech and I'm just like out of there. I need so to radiate my brain because I have to go get a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's always a very comforting feeling when they, they bring you in and then they go hide behind the three foot thick, like, well, yeah. wall. I can't. <laughs> like, no, no, it's, it's completely safe. It's completely safe. Totally yeah, I, hey, sir, I know sir, it's sir, happening. Are you pregnant? Like, like, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I know it's happening because, like, I can hear it, but I have my eyes closed because that mesh thing's on my face. So, like, I don't see it and stuff, but. But like, I'm not, I'm genuinely not worried about it. Like, I'm not stressed out about it. Like I would be, am I prepared? Is the ship ready to deploy? Do I have all the food? Do I have all the things? Right. But then I got in the car, man. And like, for the last like four days, I had noticed. And then my wife explained to me after this, that she was stressing out about it. it was like, I was angry all the time. I was like snapping at nothing. And mm. then I'm like, I'm falling apart in the car after my first radiation treatment. I'm like, I don't know what's wrong. <laughs> like, I don't like. I'm genuinely not concerned. And so I've just been trying to like function like normal. Right. And it's like, for some reason I was just like overwhelmed and like broke down and freaking out. But then I'm like, I can't even, I can't, I couldn't even express like why I was just like, well, I don't know what's wrong. Like I I feel fine. I'm in my brain. I can't like, I can't articulate like something that's like bothering me or something. It's just like, all of a sudden I'm like emotional and I'm snapping and I'm like, I'm at nothing like at stupid things like this little girl. That's a neighbor. Uh, I was outside like shoveling dirt into a wheelbarrow for our garden beds. And she said, hi neighbor. And I almost snapped at her and I was just like, what the hell is wrong with me? So like, yeah, I was, I was thinking about it a bunch. Cause like after having like boiled over and then talked to my wife about it and stuff, I, I kind of, I feel better. Like it's still, it's still there, but like, I feel better about it. And I was aren't, aren't like, we the absolute that? worst at taking our own advice? Right. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I deal with that. I deal with that daily, but I, it's from my three-year-old yeah. who has like that same, like <laughs> she's just mad and upset and crying about something. Yeah. And then you're asking her what's wrong and she doesn't know. And she just wants to yeah. be held. And then she wants right. cheese. And <laughs> having, having I'm children, very similar. Yeah. Having, having children for- is like, 
for your neighbor that got shipmated by you probably and you didn't even realize she didn't it. she <laughs> didn't i i kept my mouth shut and i just waved and i probably yeah. looked like i was staring daggers at her but i waved and she then just i just walked away to the team man you had to do yeah she just wanted to have her hands in her pockets and like didn't yeah, understand why I you know. were yelling at her i know i'm a terrible <laughs> having, human being having children is like having a bowling alley installed in your head you know what i mean yeah. it's i i have a 14 year old and um Teenage girls are Satan. Like collectively, <laughs> collectively, they are the physical embodiment. They come together like Voltron or something, and they're you like, know, like I wake her up in the morning and I am an asshole. By afternoon, I'm the best dad in the world, and then by the evening, I'm a jerk again. And all I asked her was how swim practice went. Like, I'm just cool. trying to make you. I'm trying to feed you. You want some I've got, food? And I'm an I've asshole. got two right now, and and I do the same thing. Like when I get home from work, I talk to my. They're three and well, basically four and one and a half. And uh, so when I talk to the four year old, like when I get home, I'm like, hey, I was like, how's your day? And she's like, good. And I'm like, what'd you do today? And it's, you know, standard four-year-old stuff, right? But like played around the house or whatever. And but I'm like, what'd you do today? And then it's always like some ridiculous answer. And then she gets frustrated that she doesn't know or I don't know, whatever. But it's like always the most ridiculous answer. But it's funny because I ask her every day just because, you know, for routine sake and, you know, try to make sure that she gets attention and all that sort of stuff. I'm not blowing her off. But it's like, I, I know you didn't do anything. Like, number one, you know, my wife has already talked to me all day about, what they're doing, but it's right. like, so what did you do today? And it's, and then, you know, like I already know the answer, but I don't know what I expect her to tell me, but it's always the same. Like, uh, I don't know stuff. And you're just like, okay, well that was cool. All right, I'm going to go change. Good talk. Yeah. But like the, bump, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. I was just like thinking about it through the lens of like the, like the work stuff, right? Like staying plugged in or not. And like, I purposely didn't. And it, like to, de-stress and i and i don't know if it was like a a good or bad choice because like on the good side of it like it's one less stressor in my life to be getting like text messages and phone calls from work people Mm. and like worrying about stuff i can't necessarily control and then but on the flip side of it like my wife was bringing up like well you don't really have like your normal routine right now like you're not doing any of the things you normally do you're just home all the time and and there's no like maybe like a lack of purpose a little bit or something like that. And I'm and I don't know. Cause it's like, it's one of those things where it's not like I can, I can articulate some super stressful thing I'm going through. Cause like, dude, you have textbook cabin fever, bro. Something dude. Cause it's like, it doesn't make any sense to me cause I've never experienced it. Like if I'm freaking out or super stressed out, I can usually point at the stressor cause it's super obvious. Right. And then I'm just like, I don't know what the hell is wrong with me. <laughs> like, I can't articulate it much like a three-year-old. Like, I'm just like, I don't know what's wrong, dad. Like, that's freaking weird, man. Yeah, I mean, the process of, like, mindfulness, like, being able to sit down and do, like, a mental inventory. Yeah. And actually look through and kind of uh, peel through the layers of what is actually happening and, like, widening your scope of of attention to to your life. That's been and something I've wanted lot, to like get more into. Yeah, like a lot of people just like they're so used to just so much like traffic noise. Like people that like mm-hmm. live in a city and then they go out camping and like they can't sleep because it's just too quiet. Right. Like, yeah. I feel like everyone's living they have lived their life at a hundred miles an hour and so loud for so long 
And now that they're given this ability to kind of like go to zero, like all stop engine, like cold iron, nothing, nothing yeah. going on. And now yeah. they're like, I don't know what to do. Like, <laughs> well, I'm so used to just, I have like my, I have too much on my plate. Now I have nothing. Yeah. Mm. And that might, that, I don't know. That's interesting. Like that's kind of, that's well, kind of how it feels. Cause like I, ha- I purposely haven't been putting anything on my plate besides like I've been doing the podcast, which is cool. And like, um, I've been doing a little bit around the house, but not much. And like, that's kind of been like me and my wife kind of laugh at ourselves. Cause it's like, we sleep a lot and like lay around when we do wake up and it, to the point where we're like, what the hell are we doing? Like we need to do something productive. Which yeah, I think so the three other guys on this that have kids are like, oh, it must be nice. I was just going to yeah, say, I know, yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> I got Talk a couple dirty of dogs. To me. Does that? Yeah, no, tell, tell me more about sleeping no, yeah. until the double digits. <laughs> so I can live vicariously. Describe when, a nap again. Yeah. But I'd be <laughs> interested too to like, what do you guys do for, if if anything, for like a mindfulness practice? Because like I've heard it a ton lately and I've it's something that I've been interested in learning more about. And like hmm. in integrating it into my life, but like I don't currently really do anything except like work out. I've so they couple, did like a massive review at, at recruit training and they added that into the curriculum now, like mindfulness training for the newest sessions. Is that the part of that warrior toughness thing? Yeah. The program like that they, they brought okay. in, they brought in like some team guys or something and some psychologists yeah. and, you know, they actually yep, have yep. them like sit down. I mean, I haven't actually seen it. Like I've just been, I saw on it, but I, yeah, I saw a video that was kind of like a, you know, it was like a PR piece on what they're doing for the Warrior Toughness program. And it had like the doctors and the and the team guy, the SEAL that they have in there and like kind of it, just generally explaining what it is. But hmm. I have um, a general high level of anxiety normally. And so there's yeah. a, a couple of things that I've been doing through the years. Um, so just to backtrack real quick. COVID broke out. I was on an exercise in the UAE called Native Fury. And we were already kind of semi-quarantined. But when we rolled back stateside, we had to do 14 days of isolation. Yeah. So I'm in my house by myself. And now I've got my books and my records. And of course, like everybody else, an endless stream of movies on Netflix and all the social media feeds. (laughs) But what I was really excited about was to just sit down in my chair and be alone with my thoughts. Yeah. And just, just let them go. Um, I firmly believe that, you know, if your mind is racing, let it race, stomp on the gas, go faster, you know? And with 14 days, with, with 14 days of nothing to do, I mean, it's like, if I want to stay up for 36 straight hours, I can, and just find out, you know, what my brain's going to unravel. But something I like to do is, um, and as it relates to audio, I, will go to a public place or I'll sit by my window and I will imagine in my head like a soundboard, like a mixer, Mm -hmm. and I will isolate the sounds that I'm hearing. Okay. You know, like, oh, that's that's my neighbor's daughter Millie. She's playing in the backyard. Oh, that's that's Susan, the 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 woman who lives in front of me, and she's out, you know, picking up leaves. Oh, that's that's the UPS truck coming by. And I'll just focus on those sounds. You know, oh that that's the wind or Oh, that's, that's the police helicopter or, um, you know, like, you know, you just focus on these things, you know, and, oh, that's my neighbor's car. He's got a muffler problem, you know, like, right. <laughs> the, you know, the and sounds like, of your house creaking, you know, stuff like yeah. that. And it puts yeah. you right there and it takes you okay. out of your own, you know? Yeah. Cause now you're literally okay. focusing on the sound of the world around you and 
you become a part of it. And then you focus on your own breathing and you realize that you're in the center of all of this. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I was I, only I, laughing earlier because when you said like, you know, when you're, when your mind's racing, you're like, just let it go. Just stop. On the gas. Like, <laughs> Take the I, wheel. I, I am by no means like a mental health professional or probably doing anything remotely smart in that aspect. But I just feel like that's probably the opposite of what everybody would say is like, I, well, yeah, if, I was, you're, if you're I was reeling, you know, just, just let it rip, you know, yeah. <laughs> having a bad day, just go make it worse, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't think that's what he meant, but like, yeah, no, I, no, I know, I know. It was yeah, just yeah, funny. Yeah. Like in my head, that's what I was thinking. It's like, you know, somebody going in to talk to a, a therapist and it's like, doc, I'm just having a bad day. And they're like, sweet, let's make it worse. <laughs> right, right. I'm going to kick you in the shin a few times. Yeah. And, uh, we're going to, yeah. we're going to make sure this is your bottom before we can work up. Like, <laughs> Yeah. No, I, I know that's I not what you were saying. It was just funny. Yeah. I definitely like, I don't know, man. I, I've been trying to figure out a, the best way to do it because I've heard a bunch of different like, like I, when I talk to Jeff, he's always like when he goes on his runs, that's like his zone, you know what I mean? And like, sure. he let, just lets it kind of, kind of same thing you said though, like lets his thoughts wander and just kind of, they go where they go. And it's, it's brain is like, like everything's quiet and he's just thinking, you know what I mean? And well, I, I think we also have this this connotation that a negative thought is is bad, and right. it's not. It's a natural occurrence. You know, yeah. we we think terrible things sometimes, and it, I mean, in and of itself, the thought isn't bad. It's just a thought. Now, if you act on a negative thought, that becomes you know a crime or or, or something right. worse. Um, but we, if you judge your thoughts too much, then you spiral. You know, your thoughts are just gonna come. That's realistic. Um, yeah. But if you judge them, that's when you start getting into, you know, a, a strange yeah. place. <laughs> that's super interesting. I've never heard like it makes sense because like I know like there's been thoughts that have gone through my head that it, like uh, like you you know, you're doing something hard and you think about quitting. Right. And then you start like shooting on yourself because <laughs> like you're thinking about quitting. And, and then that probably perpetuates the the negativity that is going on. But like I never really thought about like judging your own thoughts as you yeah, we do are it thinking the them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, we've all said to ourselves with our significant others, man, I, you know, oh, I'm so mad. I hate you right now. Um, and is that realistic? Probably not, you know, but it's, it's you know, just an impulse right there. And, yeah. and those are real thoughts that we have. And if you think about it, too, all of our favorite media that we consume is written by guys who don't judge their bad thoughts. They just put it down into a movie or a television show. Like, I love, I absolutely uh, love The Wire, the HBO show, The Wire. Yeah, it's a great show. But somebody had to write that. And yeah. I'm going to write a story about drug dealers shooting each other and, right. a, you know, and, a, and a cop who's cheating on his spouse. Like, these are negative thoughts. No, this is good entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, pulp, pulp Fiction doesn't come about because a guy keeps those thoughts inside. You know, I love Tarantino yeah, yeah. films and it's like. <laughs> Yeah, I, I absolutely want to watch, you know, uh, Aldo Rain in Inglorious Bastards scalp somebody. <laughs> of course I do. That's awesome. Right. It's a fun movie. Um, yeah, but if you judge the thoughts, you get yourself into a, you know, a reckless situation and uh, you spiral downward. Yeah. Uh, but if you find that outlet, um, you can create something cool with it. That's yeah. definitely part of, of the process. Like, you don't want to get caught in these loops. Like, you can get on those bad ideas and just keep running around and around like you have to at some point be able to achieve like escape velocity and be able to kind of 
well said. Uh, get back and see it in the rearview mirror and then move on. Um, where I feel like a lot of people are now, they're still in this spinning round, round, round. They're not able to get out yet because yeah. they're, they're losing their, their social contacting with people uh, mm. on a physical level. Uh, yeah, we, we can do video chatting and stuff and texting. It'll only achieve a certain amount of stimulation. At some point, people need to actually be around other people. Like we're not all hermits. That's hermit. a super like, valid point. That's a super valid point. Yeah. 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 That's it is, that's it, the one good thing for me that I, I feel bad for my wife. Like, um, you know, I still go to work every day, so I still have other yeah. people that I talk to, tons of people that I see. Um, and before, like, she at least had roller derby in the evenings, not every night, you know, but a couple times a week, she would still go out and play roller derby and do this other steer, go do anything with any of her friends around here. And now she can't do any of that because it's, you know, everything's shut down with the Rona. So yeah, she just like her conversations or her interactions are like either scrolling through Facebook or like, you know, she'll still talk to people on the phone, but it's not totally the same or it's with, you know, a four-year-old and there's only so much you can talk <laughs> right, to a four-year-old right. about. And I'm sure like she misses out on like decompressing from talking to a four-year-old all day too. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the, definitely the hardest part is like, um, it's like when I get home from something, if she's just had a bad day, like hopefully it does not also align with me having a bad day. Right. Because when I get home, she's very much like the cool, person you can watch yeah. the curls now. <laughs> and and I totally get it because yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. at that age, especially they're just, it's constant. They're not, it's just a night. It's a lot all day. Right. <laughs> like, so I had the worst day ever. Cool story, bro. Here's the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, I mean, I, we're, we try to make a, a, you know, a point. We try to balance that out as much as possible, but I know that, you yeah. know, more often than not, she's definitely the one taking the raw end on that because of, it's just only so much like, you know, like I said, I'm remodeling the basement right now or refinishing the basement. So when I get home and it's like, she knows I obviously can't watch a, a one and a four year old while doing that, but yeah, so that, and that needs to happen. But also she would very much like to just pass off a couple of kids to me and do anything else. Right. So Take it's trying shower. to find that balance. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. yeah. Wipe the, wipe the snot off of her shirt and the vomit <laughs> that, that's been lingering on her pants. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, it's yeah. The, usually dinner time is the worst. Like most of the time, you know, they're old enough. They can play, they do what they do, but it's like when she's trying to make dinner, um, of course, at least one or both want to be in there with her doing something. And there's only so much like cooking you can do with a one-year-old next to you. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, you know, she just needs somebody to distract them. And then we, of course they still like, it is 2020. So of course they still watch, they, our older one has an iP like a knockoff iPad thing, like a kid's one. Yeah. And then they will put on like TV for them, but we try not to like, we try to limit that, you know, I'm yeah. not trying to have our kid raised by the Disney channel, but right. um, there's still definitely a use for it. There's at times. <laughs> <laughs> we need distractions. We need a series of distractions for, yeah. for 20 minutes. And I mean, I'd be I, lying if I said that, that I hadn't used it before where it's like, you're sitting there and you all of a sudden you're like, Ooh, I need to go sit on the toilet for a minute. And you're <laughs> like, Hey, look, let's see what cartoons on. Cool. Here, watch this. I'll be back. <laughs> I always like I'm always railing to Ashley about all the things I'm not going to do when I'm a parent. And then I hear stories like that. And I'm like, I bet you I totally tap 100%, out. 100 percent. Like, just watch That's, this show really quick. 
Yeah, uh, no, it's the exact same thing. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah, we said the same thing, you know, like it's yeah. not going to be a, it, and it's still not much at all that they do. But of course, like every time that she's on it, when she is, it's like, oh my God, how much does she watch today? Does she still need, and then you're like, you try to take it away and then she's throwing a huge fit. Yeah, and start freaking out. Yeah. Then you have to start picking like, is this the hill I want to die on today? Like, am I ready <laughs> to ruin my day at 10 o'clock in the morning? Or do I just let her deal with it for now while I think of a new distraction and to do something yeah. different? I have yeah, there's always like a constant hostage negotiation. Yeah. <laughs> It's literally what it is. And then, and you just have to weigh it out. Like, all right, am I willing to just ruin everybody's day and be pissed the rest of the day right now? Or like, and then you look at the clock and you're like, it's been a good day. It's, it's four o'clock. We're, we're on the downswing of things. It's like, you know what? I'm going to ruin it for everybody. Yeah, nope. She has a meltdown. This is when I'm going to pick the fight. <laughs> you have like the, you have like the handset in your hand. And you're looking at her like they're fueling the jet right now. Okay. The, the money's coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just need a little more time. (laughs) I remember thinking to myself that there was a period of about three years when I was basically my daughter's personal secretary. (laughs) Yeah, You know, like, okay, I'll cancel your lunchtime appointment. I'll reschedule lunch with grandma for next week. Um, Can I get you a sandwich right now? What do you want to do? Come back after my dolls are done. Okay. Okay. I'll I'll leave you alone. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, I got to go to the Navy and work for my bosses who want this, that, and the other thing. And then I go home and, you know, I'm my daughter's personal secretary. Great. Right. <laughs> this is just what I needed. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got a well, good topic yeah, I to don't... bring up, but uh, if you guys want to. Definitely. Send it, man. So I think right now the, the military as like a, as a, as an institution is starting to have like clear evidence in front of their faces of like, a, a measurement of how good their organization was before the coronavirus in terms of their like command culture and climate, because going into isolation or moving your shop to like a swing shift, if they didn't already have those relationships established or you didn't manage your culture properly prior to guys are on the back foot right now trying to get, get something going. Yeah. Like, is it, are you guys seeing that at your commands? A, a little bit. Um, I mean, uh, our biggest problem is it's just like, I mean, every command, but especially short command of having just not enough bodies. And so everybody is so spread thin trying to make all this work. Um, the biggest thing that I've noticed is just the the data flow of getting, you know, something comes out. We pass it to the guys that are on that are there with you that day. And then we'll stick around or like if the night shift guys don't come in till like six o'clock at night, I'm not waiting until six o'clock at night just to talk to them. So, well, you know, or you try to send an email or it depends on how you work with them or what the, what it is you're passing along, but having that constant. Um, and then if there's a third shift, there's some schools right now that are on that, that don't start till midnight. So trying to get information between them, it's like somebody will say like, Hey, I need to know all the people that have something or other, you know, by noon. And you're like, well, that's not possible. Cause I'm not calling to wake people up at there two in the morning to get an answer. And, and like, it's not that critical or, or whatever the case is, right? Like trying to just one thing that gets put out, trying to pass that to everybody. It takes like a solid 24 hours, not like, you know, one, right. If, if everybody was there, you could just walk around and t- put it out to everybody. Um, but when it, there's people spread so thin, as far as like the shift that they're on. Yeah. It's definitely hard to try to 
try to get all that passed around or one guy on a swing shift needs, yeah. he's got an appointment he's got to go to or something crazy and trying to just get all of those bases covered is definitely rough. And I think the, the biggest thing that we've tried to do with everybody is just keep explaining like, Hey man, this it's, this is temporary, maybe a long temporary, but it's temporary. And this is also like, we all just got to work with each other. You know, we all got to pick up some slack, make stuff happen, do something for somebody that you wouldn't normally do. And hopefully they'll, they would do the same in the future, whatever the case is. And it's just trying to remind everybody that like, they're not, we're not doing this because we don't like you. We're doing this because we don't have a choice or whatever the case is. Like it's it's definitely rough though. Have, have you found that, because obviously you can't be in your office or your shop or your ship, you know, 24 seven, that's not realistic. Um, Have you been surprised by the results of some of your sailors when left alone? Uh. I, it's surprised in a positive way. I mean, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, I mean, yes and no. Like, so in my head, like the the people that you have, like, we're a short command. We don't have any like first term staff or like you know what I mean. Everybody there, it's their shore duty. So everybody's been in for at least four or five years. They've done one boat tour before they came to us. Um, so by then, I feel like most people generally. Like they, they're responsible enough that, that you know that they should be able to do those certain things, especially if you're leaving them on a shift that doesn't have much supervision. Right. They're probably the more senior people that you're going to leave there because I need to know that, you know, I'm going to put like a senior first class on those shifts instead because he's probably going to feel a little more comfortable making decisions than like a second class that's only been there for two or three months who's still trying to get the hang of everything. Um, so they're, they're kind of doing what they what I would expect them to do or what I would hope that they would be doing. But, um, it is nice. I think a lot of us just kind of had that, you know, well, let's see, see what happened last night. And then you find out like there was nothing or something happened (laughs) that was taken care of and you're like, Oh, okay, cool. And so I think now after the first week or two of that, it was, you were constant. Every time you came in, you were just waiting for a bunch of emails or waiting to get phone calls all night. And then you found out that none of it became an issue and you're like, Oh, okay, cool. So this is actually is running it, the way it should. <laughs> yeah. Is it like settling out after a while? Cause like, I know we talked per- like you and I just on messenger about some of the like frustrating situations you had where like kind of like on the, you and I on the boat called them day walkers, but like how they weren't sensitive <laughs> to the 24 hour schedule. So they would like book stuff in the plan of the week that didn't make any sense. And so people were like <laughs> lacking sleep and blah, blah, blah. Right. Like the same thing was kind of happening to you where like they wanted people to roger up that they like verified their NFAS or whatever arbitrary thing all by this time of day so they could go home and nuke their supper. And it's like, well, these people are sleeping right now because we're on a 24 hour schedule. So like, is it something that like you guys worked out the growing pains or is it something that like when those things were happening, it was kind of indicative of what uh, what he was talking about, where it's like maybe we didn't have the best command culture to begin with. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's hard to say because the the day to day stuff has definitely smoothed out and it's not as okay. bad and 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 all of that stuff has been fine. But the problem is that it's the Navy and everything in the world about this keeps changing constantly, right? So yeah, like the normal stuff is has been pretty well fine. It's like okay, well now that that's normal, now we're going to change this, or now we want to add this, or now we want to add this, and we need to create this watch bill, and we need to do this other thing, and. You know, so now, now we got to figure out how to check temperatures of everybody. And and it's like, it's things like that, that are coming up that it's like, okay, so we'll add that to the list and add that to the list. And so that sort of stuff, the big, like the new things are still kind of, 
you know, we need an answer and we need it soon, but right. it's not as bad as it was. It's kind of, um, you know, I think more of what we're doing, which I, not a lot of people like, I don't think, but I kind of agree with it generally is we just need an answer. Like we need to do something. So let's put something in place. Let's go with it. And then we'll see the holes when it, once it's in place and then we'll adjust and we just understand that it may take a day or two and it may be in flux for the first couple of days while we sort out those kinks. But it's like, we don't have time to sit here for the next three weeks coming up with the perfect plan. We just need yeah. a plan, make it go. And then it's going to, and just understand that it might be in flux for a little bit. And I know some people don't like that because it's like, I wish we could just, cause it seems like the plans are constantly changing. But if you go into yeah. it knowing like, Hey man, we got to do something, you know, we got to move like this what? dirt pile from here to here. We may not be yeah. moving it the most efficient way, but once we start moving the dirt, we're going to figure out a way like, Hey, wouldn't yeah. it be better if we did it this way? And you're going to go, Oh yeah, that, that's okay. Let's do that. I call this the Mike Tyson axiom and it's from, from the, from the Mike Tyson quote, everyone's right. got a plan until they get punched in the face, yeah. right? you know, and who adapts better than the U S Navy. I mean, this is what yeah. we do. You know, we're trained and built to adapt. Um, we, we brief, we debrief, we come up with a better game plan next time. But yeah. you know, if we get, you got to do something, you know, Teddy Roosevelt, the worst thing you can do is nothing, you know? And yeah. so, you get hit in the face a couple of times. That's fine. We're going to be okay. As long as our sailors are healthy, everything else can be adjusted. We can figure this out. But I feel like some of that is based on what you said earlier too, where it's like that ingenuity is, is grounded in our willingness to listen to the feedback of the E4 that if we, if you leave a, a gang of E4s together with a problem to solve, they're going to come up with some crazy solution that you didn't think of or wouldn't have thought of in a million years. Sometimes it's going to be a little nuts and you're going to need to be like, now nah, we can't do that part because, yeah, you know, safety of ship or whatever. It's, like, it's going to look right. like it came off the pages of a Dr. Seuss book. Like, yeah, <laughs> but sometimes I might need Dr. Seuss to get this thing done. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so it's Absolutely. like, ah. <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, the, I, I think the, our, our willingness to be open to that feedback is a big part of our ability as an organization to solve those problems rapidly and adjust when things decide that, oh, hey, you know, that problem you had to solve? Well, now it's totally different. Figure it out, nerd. You know, one like, of the that things is that. Oh, go ahead, please. Oh, I'll say that has definitely come up when when a lot of these things have changed, um, especially for the students, because it's it's really easy for me for us to like as senior staff to make a decision about what the students are going to do or not do and then it's we can think through what we assume the problems will be or what the conflicts will be right but i'm not even though i was at some point like i'm not living in their shoes right now i don't know you know i don't do what they do day to day in the same sense so I don't see the same exact problems or I'm not going to see what the, the do the details that they are right and how it affects them. So whenever we put out these big changes, it, one of the big things that we've said is like, we go in there and brief it to them as the, as you know, either a chief or a senior chief goes in there and we're explaining like, listen, like now's your chance. Like, here's what we're planning. Here's what our plan is. Here's what we thought through. Here's why we're doing this. Tell me what's terrible about this. Like yeah. if you just don't like it, 100%. that's fine. Tell me you don't like it. I get it. We don't like it either, but it is what it is. This, you know, this X, Y, and Z has to get done, but tell me what we're missing. Like anything that I'm not thinking of, bring it up now because this isn't in place yet. So if you think of something, we might have time to change this or yeah. get it worked on quick. But like anything that if you can think of a better way of a different way, like what, you know, and, and if you do get like some Dr. Seuss answers, you know, yeah, like when we brought sure. up having to check everybody's temperature, 
And it's like, yeah, it's going to be a slight inconvenience in your day. And then one of the guys was like, well, can we all just get our own thermometers and check it ourselves? And it's like, well, if you know where we can get 1500 thermometers <laughs> in three days, yeah. then yeah. But like, not only I don't that, think but they'll that- be like a walking dead character. I didn't get bit. I, I'm good, man. 98.6. <laughs> yeah. so like, exactly. I don't know that that would work. Visibly on the sweating. <laughs> Yeah. That's a pregnancy yeah. test. That's not even a thermometer. <laughs> but like, too, the also, yeah, also that I'd was say, hilarious. I used to, the smartest thing I ever did, man, was like on my last boat when I was basically the ACOB, like running around doing all the department chief stuff and helping out the cob. It was like smartest thing I ever did was go, you know, like you look around, read the room, go find the unofficial chairman of the of the second class petty officer like mafia and just be <laughs> like, hey, man. This is the plan we're talking about. Poke holes in it and just sit there and listen, man. Yeah. And like and without fail, like because this kid was like super intelligent, high functioning, like amazing dude that was unafraid to tell me how stupid the plan was. And sometimes he was spot on and we're like, holy crap, we didn't even think about that. And sometimes it was like you were saying it was like there's some stuff that he thought was stupid that he didn't have the perspective on. And once I explained, it, he's like, oh, OK, yeah, or like, I'm not going to like it, but I understand it. You know what I mean? And like it was he was more concerned with like the E5 and below quality of life. And it's like, well, we also have to accomplish the mission. So, yeah, you know, the one good thing about all of this that we've been coming up with when we talk to the students is like this isn't none of these major decisions that are changing. They're not in-house decisions, right? Like this stuff is coming from, you know, yeah. the president, basically. Like <laughs> I, I can't tell you like. Like, I get it. The face mask is annoying. I get the the time for the, the everything being delayed because of social distancing and all this stuff. Like, that wasn't just the chief's quarters deciding that we'd make, you know, May really fun. That was, you know, directed from way above us. So yeah. it's like, hey, man, this has to happen. So this is the best way we could figure out to solve this problem. So if you have another way, and I think just that little bit of transparency, like it, it's kind of passing the buck because it's not on us to own. I think they're smart but, enough to know that without you saying it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, they know they the CDC's directing they, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's just more of like trying to make sure like, hey, look, this isn't this isn't me trying to decide this. This has to happen. And, yeah. it, and even though in this situation, it's easier because there is like an obvious outside force that we can point to. But like you said, when you explain that transparency as to why and how you're doing something and they go, oh, OK, I get it. Then I guess it's, you know, it is what it is. And this yeah. is how I would do it. It's it's just easier for us now because it's it's a very obvious, easy outside force that I can point to and say, that's why we're doing this. Yeah. Whereas it's a little bit different if it is a decision that, you know, say the chief's quarters came up with, you're still going to say this is you know, if they're pushing or whatever the case is, you can ex- still explain it, but yeah, um, well, I mean, one of that our transparency tasks, helps. That's one of our implied tasks is a uh, morale of the command managing the morale. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, and I think you, you I, would I, like by I'm in like, it. You know? Yeah. Like for my dudes, I'm in like the longest protracted meme war on a group <laughs> chat. Um, <laughs> we, we are, we are like, we're like ninth generation warfare happening right now. Uh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they're, they're high quality gifs, uh, dank memes, uh, just yeah. <laughs> very, very topical references that are happening. I like um, it. one of the things so that the, I found. Oh, go ahead. I mean, I had to like mute the group chat for about three days because it was just <laughs> it would have burned. It would have just burned my battery out just for the back screen. You know, just <laughs> the, yeah, the, the notification alerts. tab. <laughs> God. The the group chat during chief season is just I, I can't handle it. Like, I, know, I, I cannot. Yeah. I, I cannot. Dude, the first 
First thing I did when I checked out of my last command was exit the WhatsApp chat with the Chiefs mess just because it was like it degenerated into the silliness. So then they created a second thread for like serious stuff. And then that turned into a meme war. And I'm just like, what? I, what is this? Like, I can't even like something would happen, like a meeting would change and somebody would put it out on the group chat. And then I'd show up late and they'd be like, well, we put it out in the group chat. Like, I got to scroll back through a hundred memes to yeah, find anything of substance. So was that like, the meaning of message to Garcia? Like I sent yeah. a text. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, like, well, a te- you saw me 30 minutes ago at the coffee pot. We could have talked about this yeah. then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the things that I love about being at a CV command, um, I we're a very narrow corridor in the Navy. There's only two of us. So you got Amphibious Construction Battalion 1 out here and, and Construction Battalion 2 on the East Coast. But we're all CVs, enginemen, and bosun's mates. Mm. And CVs are designed and built to fix you. Yeah. You know? And so, like you said, the E5 and below mafia, I'm like, Hey guys, we got to come up with this battle plan. We got to figure this out. And that's what these guys do. I mean, you put engine men, bosun's mates and CBs in a room together. I mean, you might get a couple stab wounds, but you're going to get some interesting <laughs> solutions. You know what I you mean? You might get some yeah. dip spit on your shoes too. A hundred percent accurate. A hundred percent accurate. <laughs> I've never seen like they call it CDL, coffee dip and leadership. I like it. <laughs> Can do. Um, yeah, I, I'm doing a. I was doing a course recently online because uh, I got all this free time uh, for obvious reasons, and uh, they talked about just identifying centers of gravity, and that's those are things you have to go after if you want to get your messaging across. And you guys, you guys are saying it without saying it, but like designate, like finding that. Um, quote unquote, like alpha person in that group, like that, that out there E5 yeah. who just, yep. just, just naturally everyone's kind of swimming around this dude because, or, yeah. or chick. And if you, if you're not capitalizing on those people or, yeah. uh, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's yep. making, it's making usually, some signaling to them. You're, it's usually you're out super time. obvious too, man. It's usually like they're, they're like, it's like a video game where they got a little icon above their head. Like it's it's super obvious who they are, and it's oh, just yeah. like yeah. never but that's never understood that's em- why why more people didn't do that. That's emotional intelligence, like on yeah. the head, like the the, the ability to perceive and like have empathy toward your fellow sailors. Like yeah. if I have a I have a first like not a first edition, but I have a of the first edition of the Chief's Guide, and then Paul Kingsbury wrote the the set, next edition. Yeah, that yeah, first yeah. one I had to like, I had to stop reading it like, <laughs> like a third of the way through it because it it just taught people like if I don't know if any of you guys have read it, but like it really taught people like browbeat and like push people down, I, yeah. like kind of there was a very delineated hier- hierarchical, very old old style Navy approach to how that manual was was a uh, messaged, where I yeah. think like Paul's is obviously. Up 180 out from that, like is right. all about messaging. It's all about influence tactics, power bases, mm-hmm. um, finding out who your people are and like messaging directly to each individual. Like you want to have like that kind of like what they said, like about like Bill Clinton, like when he talked to you, it was like you were the only two in the room and you could be like, you know, in this massive ballroom and yeah. like politicians have it, like their ability to reach you on like a personal level. I'm not saying we're all, we all got to be that level because none of us are that good. Um, but you're right. I mean, if you're not out there 
knowing your people, you're, you're failing big time. Yeah, seriously. And, and, and you're right. Like you can tell it's like, you know, it's the guy that's holding court at the smoke deck. It's, you know, the guy that, you know, everybody gravitated and you've seen it. We've all yeah. seen it, you know? Yep. And you're like, I can, I can use that. I can leverage yep. that into something awesome. And I love the idea of, I, I, what's the best way to describe this? So I, I came from a media background uh, for a while. I, I did the MC thing for a while before I became a bosun's mate. And you have inherently inventive and creative people and they're going to goof off, but they're going to goof off in a way that's productive. Yeah. And when you see CBs out in the field, they're goofing off, but there's a purpose that, you know, there's an end goal, Yeah, you know, and I love watching that creative process take place and then just putting the, the right tools and the right people together and watching what takes place with the right amount of guidance and the right amount of, right. you know, hey, okay, that's a little, you know, outside the lines here. Let's, let's keep it within safety regs. Um, let's see what happens. And I like the experiment. I've always liked the experiment. It's just that gets my creative juices pumping when I see a bunch of people together trying to solve an issue that affects us all. Well, and what Whether I found too is like the the kids that I, I've taken the time to talk to. Like I used to be a little more of a browbeater, where I had that reputation of like, you know, your boots are screwed up, or you're, you didn't shave this morning, or you need a haircut, and I'd come at them sideways. But then what I found is like the this a lot of the same people that are holding court in the smoke pit are those those people because it's like the cool thing to do to like need it. You know, you you become the cool guy by kind of like. Uh, going against the the grain and like not taking care of your uniform and not cutting your hair and be like, I can't wait to get my DD214 blanket. Look, I get it. You're cool. Cool. That's neat. But like spending time talking to those guys and having the conversation instead of like coming at them sideways and knife handing them, just saying, hey, man, like, why can I see the steel toe in your boots? Like, what's going on there? And just like having a conversation about them because like I found I've had a lot more success with having a long conversation with a really intelligent, high functioning second class that might be that style of a, of a sailor that is holding court, but is also kind of like on the fringe and explaining to them why I even care because like they're smart kids. And when they understand, they can ask me those types of questions when I kind of like open up that dialogue and they trust that I'm not going to freak out on them and I'm not going to yell at them or like come at them sideways. And I just want to have a, a conversation with them. They trust that they can ask me those questions. And then they ask me like, chief, chief, senior, like, why do you even care if I have my hands in my pocket? Seriously, like, like, let's be real for a second, because they've established a rapport with me and they understand that I'm not just some like brainwashed, like built from Mm. spare parts at the senior enlisted academy guy that came out of his (laughs) mother's womb wearing anchors. Like I'm a human being doing a job and and I came up just the same way they did. And I used to be that guy that needed a haircut and didn't take care of my uniform and like bucked authority. I used to be that mouthy second class. So we'd have those conversations and they are much more receptive to anything that I have to say, not just those silly things that we point at, like hands in your pockets. Right. But that one thing that like having your hands in your pockets, which I've softened my stance on anyway, but like the point being having a conversation with those types of second classes I would walk by them and just like look at them like kind of kind of sarcastically like, are you doing that thing? And out of respect for my willingness to have that conversation with them and treat them like a grown up instead of talking down to them and like attacking them, they'll take their hands out of pockets or they'll correct someone else. And it's like the every only, time. only time I've ever had success with that, like because every other time it's like I, I can snap at a dude and tell him to take his hands out of his pockets and he'll do it just long enough for me to walk away and then put him right like he'll just go right back to what he was doing. 
that was a huge fight that I had to have with. So on base here is like the one lake that everybody can go because you can't bring alcohol back to the barracks. Mm -hmm. So that's the one spot since there's nowhere open. They can't leave the base. They're up there just drinking, hanging out, barbecuing all day at this lake, which is fine. We get it as long as everybody's being, you know, like remotely responsible and all that. It is what it is, right? That's why it's there is to be used. Um, But the problem is like they can't take alcohol back to their barracks. So in the morning, they don't want to walk halfway across the base because they're out of beer at some point. Right. So you'll see these guys walking up the hill with like two thirty racks under their arms. And it's like, well, so you could see the logical train of how this is going to go. Right. There's going to be you and like hey, two people there. Maybe you in said this two beers. You didn't say how big they had. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not even counting the whole, like the numbers per drinks per day and all that stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. Just, just thinking like somebody going to do this. Right. It's like, okay, you got 60 beers and you can't take them anywhere when you're done. Like you can't take them back to your room. God, yes, we got to drink them all. <laughs> right. You either have to drink them all. Or you got to throw them away at the end and nobody's going to waste their hard earned money to throw these beers away. Right. So clearly you're just going to try to drink all of them, which is probably not the right idea, but they still have to wear their mask while they're up there, even though they're like outdoors hanging out and all this stuff. So we would get phone calls from people that are like, Oh, there's a bunch of students up there and nobody's wearing their mask. So you drive by and then as soon as you get out of your car, like when you're on duty, you walk over there, they see that there's a red badge walking up to them in uniform. So they all pull their mask up over their face. Yeah. Right. You're, you're, and it's you're like, Dean Wormer walking into the Delta house, like, and they're all trying <laughs> right. to, like hide their beer cans. And like, <laughs> exactly. And it's like, Nerds listen guys for the win, man. Yeah. For the win. <laughs> but, but it's like, all right guys, look, like I know that you guys, you guys clearly know you need to wear this mask. And regardless of your opinions of it, like it has to happen. You were told to, and you obviously have them all and you put it on when you saw me. So, you know, you're supposed to be doing it. And they're like, yeah, we know we'll, we'll wear it. And it's like, I know you're going to take this off as soon as I walk away. Like I'm not an idiot. Right. (laughs) But I was like, here's the problem with that. If enough people keep calling and saying that you're up there without wearing them, eventually the CMC is going to go, I'm just tired of getting these phone calls. Yeah. Just don't go up there anymore. And now this whole area is secured. And now you have nowhere to go drink beer or barbecue or whatever. Right. Like, so I get that it's a dumb rule and it's small and it's simple, but like, and nobody's here. Like I, I, I don't have the time, energy, desire, anything to stand here and watch you all day to make sure you wear a mask. Like that's on you. But the point is like, I know you're just going to do it when I walk away, but like, come on, man, just do it for yourself. Cause it, like, honestly, at this point, like if I get three more phone calls today about this, I'm going to secure it because yeah. I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, okay, we'll wear it. Yeah. And there's always that one sea lawyer that's standing there. Who's like, well, I'm trying to eat my hot dog. I can't eat my hot dog through a mask. It's like, come on. Okay. Yeah. got it, dude. Like take it off while you're eating. But <laughs> like you, how long you're going to milk that hot dog for eight more hours. Yeah, like, dude, exactly. You can't. I mean, exactly I think I graduated. I think I graduated yeah. with honors from the barrack school law. I think I, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, the, the talk about a hill to die on, I will die with the hands in the pockets. Like I would, you'd shoot me in the chest and I'd fall in a modified like hands in pocket. Like I, I absolutely, they're like magnet. They're just maybe they're, they're my, you know, they're my EOD gloves. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I I have to have have hands in pockets. I have since Um, softened my stance on it because like I, I get, I've gotten to the point where it's just like, look, this is an unenforceable standard. So why is it even in the book? You know what I mean? To the point that I've got flag officers standing in front of me giving an all yeah, hands call with that, their hands in their pockets. Like just great, get rid of it. 
That's a great example because I have the exact same one except he was a captain. Hey, sorry, yeah. didn't get an admiral. But uh, yeah, within like two seconds, he introduced himself like, hey, I'm Captain So-and-so. And then like, imme- like, shoop, like yep. couldn't help himself. Yep. And then it was like, well, this is the right audience. It was, I mean, it was a room full of like joint service EOD text. It was like, yeah, no one's going to call this guy on this, man. If they did, it'd be like, they'd get boo, boo that man. <laughs> Kick him there's, out. There's that, there's that meme going around of, of Eisenhower with his hands in his pockets. And right. Like, One World War II with his hands in his pockets. Like, <laughs> yeah. He also wanted yeah, yeah, right. the out PowerPoint and no quad slides, and they didn't do like yeah, <laughs> yeah. for T any of that. Right. And they didn't worry about their NFAS. Yeah, they had, they had no NFAS actually. It was awesome. No email yeah. either. <laughs> I, you know, I was I was thinking about that earlier today, and I did a breakdown. Um, numeric, uh, well, you know, the statistics of how much time I spend actually doing my job. Yeah. Right. And then I had my first class and my second classes do it as well. And, you know, all the admins and all the logging in and, you know, your, your e-training certificates have to be complete. It's like, how many, how many hours are we actually wasting not doing our jobs, not training, you know, staring at a computer mindlessly? And General Mattis was, he nailed it. It's like PowerPoints and e-learning make us dumb and they make us weak. Yeah. And I'm, I'm over it, man. I really. I, yeah. I, I got excited I, I when Richardson came out with all that, like uh, getting rid of collateral duties and blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, and then it like all faded maybe, to black. Yeah. yeah. Well, not paperless, <laughs> but like he was talking about like they were, they were responding to the feedback of like, why do we have so many collateral duties and why are people getting promoted based on their performance of or just like loading up on stupid collateral duties that have nothing to do with their job. So you have people effectively getting promoted based on their ability to do everything except their job. And then you've got people absolutely crushing it, only focused on their job, and they're the best that that there is, and they're not getting promoted because they don't have all these extra stupid eval balls. Well, I could tell you a quick story. It'll make you on the inside of an inside joke. Um, Sweet. So there was a guy. He was an LDO, and I was on my first deployment, and we made a quick stop out in UAE. And so that was back when we had reservist uh, EOD units. They called them OSUs, uh, Operational Support Units. So they would deploy like a a very small truncated team to different locations and they provide like diving support and whatnot. So, I mean, this guy had been a a senior chief and then he picked up his ensign bars and uh, obviously been in the Navy pretty, pretty long time. Um, So his name was Renee. I'm not, that's not going to give anything away, but it's important to the joke. So I had my, my brand new Lieutenant with me. It's his first deployment as well. And then I had my chief and my chief's like having some like, officer training with Renee and my, my OIC and Renee tries to spell it out for my LT. He goes, you know, I'm on all these email chains. I'm like, I'm kind of, I guess people think I'm an important guy. They, they got to run stuff by me and it's not really important at all. So if I ever get a tasker, I just, I just delete it. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, you know, if it, if I send it to me again, well, I probably, at least read it and then I'll delete it. And then the, by the third time, if, if someone at least like comes down and does like it in, in person, then yeah, I'll actually, I'll do what they told me to do. Or, you know, so we call that pulling a Renee and you could see my chiefs like in the back, like doing the cut motion, like shut up. Like just don't tell him that. Man. It's, it's bad news, man. But that was like, it's stuck with me. It's like, yeah, pulling a Renee. Like how many, 
freaking chain emails have you been on where you're like the 19th step and it's like not has nothing to do with you or yeah. you're in a meeting and you're just like you got like 550 cord you're like tying into a noose like oh my god <laughs> what am i they have, they have, I get, that's just literally nothing to do i'm just exchanging oxygen to carbon dioxide like oh my god so yeah i guess covid has definitely showed us that a lot of this shit is completely unnecessary yeah, COVID is yeah. giving everyone their Renee license. Like, yeah, 100%, man. 100%, yes. Yeah, I, that's something that I was talking to a buddy about. Like, the I, when I retire, which is probably going to be right around the time Jason does, is like finding something that I can do from home. And like, I don't know, like, I don't think this it, doing this platform or like an expanded version of it will support my family or anything, even though that would be yeah. sweet. But it's like trying to fig- find a job, but I can where I can work from home. And uh, I was talking to him about like based on everything I'm seeing, because I got a lot of friends that work at like a naval shipyard and all these other places that have been like teleworking. And a lot of organizations are realizing that a whole bunch of overhead just goes away when people can telework. And uh, on, on their fears were of non-productivity were unfounded because they, they're finding that like people are at least going to be close to as productive, if not more productive than they were when they were at work because they're in the comfort of their own home. And like, so Mm. a lot of people are like checking their email outside normal working hours and like, or they'll just like work past when they would normally stop because they're at home on their couch, you know? And it's like, um, my sister-in-law is the same thing. Like she spent teleworking for a while and they, they originally were really like, we're going to call you back as soon as it's humanly possible. So don't even, don't even ask to do this after this is over. And now they're just like, yeah, you're super productive from home and we love it. So they're just like letting her continue even when other people are coming back from work and stuff. So like, I think that's, the military, that's an interesting, hopefully that's an interesting thing that I've seen. Like I I've had that theory of, uh, uh, it's, this is like a long-term social experiment, right? That was unplanned and there's not, you know, you're going to get real re- reactions out of this, but, um, with the amount of people that they, that have shifted to teleworking. Um, I'm curious as to how many of those stay that way. Um, how many companies are going to go like, why are we paying for this massive office space for 300 cubicles when, you know, we don't need that because 250 of them are working at home. We're still a functioning company. We're still doing just fine. We're saving money on, you know, on how many different things, you know, just not having to pay rent on a massive building. Yeah. And if you can be just as functional, at least in a basic sense, it's like, well, then what what am I, why would I do that? So I'm curious to see like the long-term effects of all this, like how many companies keep people working at home. My aunt has the same thing. She works. She was saying that it, hers is even funnier that she doesn't always already work from home, but it was like her immediate boss is actually across the country in a different state. And so she's like, even at work, all of our meetings are tele teleconference meetings with people. Um, and we all work in like different areas on one team doing something, but we're just physically located somewhere. Yeah. I'm like, well then who cares? Why did you yeah. have to go to work in the first place? Why are you, what why are they matter? paying for a lease? Like that's, and she's like, yeah, no, it's great. Cause now I save myself, you know, the 20 minute drive there, the 20 yeah. minute drive back, the gas, the, all that other stuff. Like yep. I still get up and get dressed. Like I'm still a, you know, a functioning adult human Dude, being, I, but 
I, I just don't do, have to go anywhere. I could do my entire job from home, except for going out on the submarines to do except for the whole cooking like, on a submarine. Thing. No, like I'm saying, I'm saying <laughs> I go out and do inspections on yeah, well, yeah. Dash, so it's know? like out, outside of going out and getting on a small boat to get onto the submarine and doing the actual inspection. I could do everything else from home. Like there's nothing I do in that building that I couldn't do for my office at home. It's, it's well, like, you would hope that something like this would just like condense the nonsense. Like yeah. when they, when they like, they, they do like other podcasts about like guys that don't like combat deployments and stuff or, um, Sebastian Younger's book, uh, war, uh, they talk about yeah. those guys that were in the yeah. uh, Korngal Valley and like they were in some of the most intense, like dudes had holes in their pants from like rounds getting like ripped through them and stuff. And then like, they interview these guys later and it's like, that was the best time of my life. Like, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Like it, I would, I would go back if I, if I could go back, I would go back. And like, I look at my own career so far when you're on, when you're on deployment, like when you're out there, out there, like on the fringe, there is no one coming to talk to you about, did you read my email? You know, like it's, there's no one, yeah. there's no one coming to ask about your NFAS or any of the other. Well, that's what's, just yeah. The, the massive amount of space fillers people just come up with. Like, yep. what is the problem with having a little bit of white space at some yeah, point dude, that's on that calendar? The stark difference between my last submarine and the one before that was a special projects boat where the mission was markedly different and like way, you you could say way more important. Like everybody's like nuclear deterrence is the most important thing ever. And it's like, I'm, I'm not, you're not wrong, but it's also extremely boring and opens your <laughs> opens, opens up a lot of time for you to do ridiculous meetings and stuff. But you LARP for three well, hours yeah, or what, three months. Yep. You just First like off, pretend the US you, military is the best at LARPing. Let me just put that out. Oh, yeah. We yeah, do it better real. than anyone has ever uh, done. Well, it. we do it more than everyone. I don't know if we do it better than everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying to the degree that we provide helicopters and airplanes you're not, and parachutes yeah, you're not wrong. and guns and blanks and lasers and props and we, yeah, we hire role players and we do, we do all this stuff, man. But then you have to hot wash everything when it's over and I don't know if that's worth the pain. Um, uh, embark and the backload and oh fuck. yeah man um but the the uh projects platform was shockingly devoid of a lot of that crap you know what i mean like that war on white space it was just like you didn't have all that other stuff like you just did what was absolutely necessary when you were in a mission area and then when we were on our way back or whatever we would drill and kill and get ready for an inspection and then we'd go home but like you've actually found better results like long term when you would instead of spending eight weeks just destroying the crew's souls getting ready for an inspection they would like we would do the mission and then we'd have like 10 days to get ready and it was just like the crew was just like all right well it's time to get ready for that thing and they would just jump in with both feet and completely buy in because we didn't destroy their souls for two months. We just said, Hey, like <laughs> now we're going to go it. all the way up until, and then once the mission's done, we'll spend these 10 days getting ready and then we'll crush this inspection. Cause that's what we do. And then that's exactly what happened. Yeah. That's the, I, I have, I've seen the same thing. Um, the places where if you're getting ready to do something and everybody's just focused on getting that done, like you, you, a lot of the dead space does get cut out or like you find out which trainings were actually important and yeah. which meetings were actually important. Cause you just don't have time. And like the important ones are still going to be there. You're still going to find a way to squeeze those in because they're important. But then a lot of the other things you go, you know what, this could get covered with, you know, I sent an email or I talked to this person, he's going to filter it down 
we'll call it good. And we're not going to spend, you know, waste every, an hour of everybody's day to, to have this meeting or this training or whatever, when it can be accomplished another way, or it doesn't need to be accomplished in the first place. Cause we have yeah. more important things to do when all that I, stuff. I think, yeah. The stuff that I, seems I like the end of the believe, world. That's usually oh not, but go ahead. Sorry. I, I honestly believe Nick, like what you were saying, like when, when you're, when you're out there and you're doing the thing, right. The people that invent all this stuff to fill the white space are the people that have never done that because they've never had all the extraneous nonsense ripped away and they're now the simplest form of themselves. They are streamlined and it's a simple machine, you know, and the people that have never done that are like, hey, we got the the, the military industrial complex rolls in and they're like, hey, we need to make this far more complicated. We need to add many more moving parts <laughs> and a lot more administration and a lot more online stuff to make sure that this goes right. And you're like, no, man, we're the yeah. simplest, you know, like reading about the, um, you know, the Marine Raiders in World War II, you know, like this is what happens when you train guys to do a thing and then you take the leash off. Yeah. And they're legendary. Well, and it's like, there's like, there's a, a leadership principle or like an approach, like the Lewis and Clark approach where uh, there's a book, uh, the mission, the men and me by Pete labor. He's a, like a Delta force guy and whatnot, but uh, he talks about how did Lewis and Clark, you know, these, these two guys that were just given this massively vague task of exploring the uncharted wilderness of the North American mainland. Uh, and then they were just, that's the end state. Well, how the hell are we getting, you know, you can only plan to a degree. <laughs> and then at some point we're going to need water and we're going to need food and we're going to need, you know, a place to go to the bathroom and all these different things, you know, like how are we going to corner off an area to play hacky sack for like 30 minutes a day? And, you know, that must be Portland. It's <laughs> at some point. At some yeah, point, I played like, hacky sack when I was a teenager. Don't judge me. It's yeah. fun. Yeah. With my sick dreads, man. Um, <laughs> so like at some point the president just pulled the trigger and said, just go, just execute. So like, like what you're saying, like, yeah, when you're out there getting it done, uh, it's definitely the Lewis and Clark approach. Like you can't brief every day what you're going to do because you just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And that's what we, what was the name of that book again? Uh, the mission, the men and me. Got it. So, so while you're talking about interesting books, I'll have to dig back really quick in this, uh, the group text from our office to find the name of it. Um, it's a book about, oh, I'm going to have to find it, uh, find the name and I'll get it to you. But, um, it was basically, a uh, some ship. I, I don't remember the, the, the time frame, but it was like, sort of like the Donner party story, but at sea, like this ship legit got like rammed by a whale or something like that, like got sank by a whale in the middle of the ocean. And so all these guys like lived through it for the most part. And they're just floating around in the middle of the ocean. And then eventually it's like, Hey, over there, Ted died. Like, well, we need food and Ted's just sitting there. So <laughs> it's like, Damn. it's, it's all, uh, I mean, obviously somebody lived through, through to like pass along the story. So I'm sure, you know, and then it's, it was, it was so long ago that I'm sure a lot of it's been like tweaked a little bit over time. Right. And embellished, but, um, it, uh, it sounded crazy interesting. I, I'll see if I can find the name of it here in a second while you guys are talking, but it was, it's on my list. I haven't, I haven't had a chance yet, but I'm definitely curious about it. 
That reminds me yeah. of um, the Ern- the Ernest Shackleton story and uh, the HMS Endurance. Yeah, he didn't lose a single person. No one died. Yeah, that's yeah, that's you know, and then using rudimentary instruments na- navigates eight hundred and ninety miles across awful ocean and hits this small island that he was aiming for and was able to get people back. Like, <laughs> oh, damn, yeah, man. Si- like, that's crazy. Simon Sinek talks about uh, uh, it's is. His second book, The Leaders Eat Last, he talks about how Shackleton recruited for that journey. And he didn't like put in there like, yeah, you'll get paid or yeah, you'll get some uh, you'll get some glory out of this. He was like, rough men wanted possible death. Like, yeah, (laughs) he he spared like no bones about what they were going to be doing. Like, you will be absolutely the coldest you've ever been in your entire life. Like, and so the people that responded to that. He found he had the best hard crew. dudes. You know, yeah, they were just hard, you know, just rough and yeah. tumble dudes that just wanted to get it on. So yeah. I, th- I think that was that's an important takeaway from that too, for sure. Well, I was, I was, you know, I majored in history, and I love reading about the early formations, not just of our country, but of our services, right? And so John Adams was like, "Hey, we need a navy to go fight the British." Um, but we don't have anybody who wants to volunteer because we've only got two ships and they're the largest naval power ever. So Adams was like, I got an idea. To this day, Boston and Philadelphia have the largest populations of Irish and Scottish immigrants, right? And who historically has the biggest case of the act against the British, the <laughs> Irish and the Scots and, and the Indians. Um, so they were like, okay, Let's commute the jail sentences of Irish and Scottish prisoners under the condition that they'll serve. Yeah. And so these prisoners were like, okay, let me see if I got this straight. You're going to, one, let me out of jail. Two, you're going to pay me. And three, you're going to give me a chance to kill my mortal enemy. Let's go, man. Sign me up. You know, I'm in. And like the Marine Corps was, you know, famously founded in Tun Tavern. Who the fuck is drinking in a tavern at 10 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> well, colonial. <laughs> right. E5, E5 and below. Yeah, E5 and below. The roughest and the tumblest of, of us all, you know? So like, you know, some, you know, drunk Mickey at the corner here is like, you're going to go fight the British? I hate those assholes. Sign yeah. me up. <laughs> and then when he's sobered up, he's like, hey, how the fuck did I get on this ship? What's going on? So, yeah. so the name I mean, of that book. It, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was just saying the name of that book. It's it's in the it's called In the Heart of the Sea. It was also a movie, I guess. They made it into a movie. Um, and oh, I have the story no. Of the Essex. Yeah, that's yes. the one. Um, yeah, but basically, like a whale capsizes them, and then they are just floating around the ocean. And then, yeah. Anyways, uh, the from what I haven't read it yet, but like I said, uh, a couple of the guys in my office have, and they were going on about how it's actually like pretty intense. The, the book, at least, like I said, I, I can't vouch for the movie. I'm sure it's even super duper embellished from what yeah, the book is. Sure. <laughs> Put Hollywood stamp on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so totally unrelated, not to, not to change the topic at all. Uh, but this was one of the, so one of my favorite things about working where I'm at is with all the students that are around, right. Is when you have that many students uh, you're bound to hear some of the most ridiculous, wild stuff. Like, I, mm. I don't know. And it's, some of it is super hilarious. Some of it is like really disconcerting. Um, 
they they had at a uh, uh, DRB or we call it CSCB, but basically at a DRB, they were talking to some somebody and he legit said that he didn't know he was joining the Navy when he joined the Navy. Um, he like 100% serious dead set said that he uh, thought that he was getting a free physical. And the next thing he knew he was on a bus going to boot camp. So I don't, I mean, he's not wrong. He did get a free physical, but like, I don't, I don't don't, know what to do with that. I don't buy it. I mean, the steps to joining the Navy are pretty detailed. Well, you don't, yeah, that's, it's it's not like in the movies where you wake up on the bus. (laughs) (laughs) But, but so anyways, that, that, I mean, that was like one of the wild things that somebody's trying to tell us this, like with this totally straight face and it's like, uh, okay, sure, dude. Yeah, I but, mean, that's um, like the when you get I, I would do uh, I was a career counselor on uh, the projects boat and it, I we do CDBs and I'd have like a nuclear train mechanic telling me, how can I become a seal? And it's like, bro, like, how did you end up here? If that's what you really wanted to do, like, really? Yeah, if that's what your heart was really set on. Then why did you sign a nuclear contract? <laughs> like, yeah. Also, I, the only way that's going to happen is if you get out of the navy and maybe come back in. Yeah, <laughs> but, or go officers. I don't know. Like, it's just coming on a challenge contract, bro. Like, that's what they're there for. Or you spent so, two and a half years yeah. in power school, bro. Like, and no. passed. <laughs> and passed. Yeah, right? like, I mean, five minutes of googling and getting on Reddit, you could have figured out if you'd have failed out of school intentionally, you'd have a better shot at being a SEAL than you do right now, bro. You're stuck forever, yeah. <laughs> like as a nuclear engineer, because now they know you can do it. Yeah. Oh, and you took that reenlistment bonus for sixty k. Yeah. yeah. You're yeah. staying right here, homie. <laughs> so, so we were talking to these students, right, about this new curfew and and all this stuff that's going into place that we had for them. And so while we're talking, everybody were like, Hey, you know, you got to be back in your barracks by 2300 or whatever the case is. And, and it's like, yeah, sorry, this sucks. You know, we get it, but this is why we're doing it. Blah, blah, blah. Given the backstory on it. So this one guy's like, man, and we're like, you know, saying, like I said earlier, like, tell us what sucks. Tell us what you don't like. Tell whatever that we're not seeing here. And this guy goes, he's like, so does that mean that we can't barbecue at 2 AM anymore? And we're like, no, I mean, you cannot barbecue at 2 a.m. anymore, but also we're like, why were you barbecuing at two in the morning? And this kid just without missing a beat, totally straight face. He's like, cause that's when the ribs slap. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it was like two chiefs and a senior chief standing there when he says that he's like, cause that's when the ribs slap. And we're like, <laughs> we totally lose it. And we're like, I mean, you're probably not wrong. Like I've, ribs at two in the morning does sound amazing, but like <laughs> after a couple of beers at two oh in the God. morning, yeah, I want some yeah. ribs too. It's just I like, a, this guy. like imagining what goes through those, those people's heads when they say that stuff. And what's funny to me is that those, the kind of people that have that reaction and that answer in those situations are either going to be like the worst people in the Navy or the best in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. <laughs> like usually I, I feel like in my optimistic mindset, they're the ones that as long as they don't get completely jaded for something, they're usually going to be the good ones. Yeah. Cause they yeah. just have that like relaxed, like, yep, we're here to, we're here to get the job done. Then we're going to go get some ribs at two in the morning and for, <laughs> or what, like, I don't know. It's just, but just the way he said it, I was dying laughing for like 10 minutes straight. Like yeah. I just There's- legit could not stop laughing while they were talking. There's something to be prized in like just like the abject honesty of like a junior person. Like when yeah. they just yeah they just hour yes here you go like this is what's on my mind and I'm just gonna let you know yeah. what, what's 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 yeah. on what's on the, all my programming that's happening up here. I'm just gonna let you in. 
Yeah. I mean, <laughs> sometimes it's like completely, it. sometimes it's completely absurd and like you'll spit, you know, you explain all these rules and then they come up with something absurd afterwards. Like, I, I don't know, like one of the, we found a, uh, they were doing room inspections and there was like an empty bottle of vodka in this kid's trash and or no it was on his desk and it's like hey well you can't have alcohol in the barracks so you're now in trouble right um and it's like why did you have it and he was like oh no it was an empty bottle and he was trying to spin that it's because he's so health con like or uh, environmentally conscious the there was no trash can nearby so he just stuck it in his backpack yeah, to take see, with my, him my my barrack school law this is actually a known yeah. case file uh yeah. that we get yeah. trained on there's precedent there's precedent <laughs> yeah and There's legal like, precedent no. for that. And Can like, you prove that I drank it? Yeah, yeah you can't. Well, Unless you breathalyze. I mean, you had to do a lot of stuff. You just assume it. Well, so it was like, you know, it's like, okay, well, I, I don't know how it's written in those rules, but I'm sure it says like no empties either, right? But then this, then after we said that, we're like, I don't buy that you're just super environmentally conscious and also so lazy you didn't walk to the trash can that's right outside your barracks and throw it away. And that you passed on your way to the barracks. It's like right. you obviously like if you were that, you know, environmentally conscious, you would have thrown it away properly. Yeah. But did they say like, that with like a pair of Crocs on and like hemp shorts <laughs> and like and a, and a green piece sticker on one of his packs? No, that would have been amazing, though. No. I but had, then we've also heard the story like my other favorite was another kid who tried to tell us that he was saving it because it was a cool bottle. And it was like a, like a collector's thing. He's like, no, like I cleaned it out. I washed it out. It's like you know, it's been empty since before I brought it in. It's just, I really like the bottle. And it's like, dude, that's just like, it's like the cheapest bottle of gray goose you could find. Like there's yeah. nothing, it's not like a special edition. It's not like some cool sailor design on it. It's nothing. It's literally like you found like gray goose and that's what you yeah. want to hold on to. It's like, so I don't buy I it. Had, I had a sailor come to me. Um, he, he'd been coming in late, you know, five, 10 minutes here and there which I don't usually get into much of a twist about, but you know, it had become a habit. Right. Mm -hmm. And he was just tired all the time. Right. Yeah. And, uh, he's not a young guy. He's like 31. I think he enlisted when he was 28. So he's, he's an adult. Um, and he's just dragging hours. And so I, you know, I pull him into my office and I was like, okay, look, usually I can let a couple things slide, but this is starting to be a problem and it's starting to piss me off. We got to come to some kind of solution what's going on in your life? And he looks up at me with a straight face and he's like, chief, I just can't talk anymore. I'm like, what? He goes, my wife wants a baby. My wife, we're trying to have this baby. And it's just like, she'll wake me up at two o'clock in the morning. She's like, it's time. And then like, you know, I'll, I'll wake up and I'll shower and she's like, it's time. And I'll come home from work. And she's like, it's time. And I was like, wait a minute, you're trying to have a baby and that's why you're so tired because you've been having so much sex? And he goes, I can't do it anymore, chief. I'm sorry. Uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I was like, how do I counsel a guy for trying to you make don't. a baby? This is, this is, I was like, you know, just, you know what? Take the afternoon off. Yeah. <laughs> go, go get go some, go take a nap. Just go get in the rack. <laughs> That's See, like you can literally that. sign a request chip for a nooner. Yeah. <laughs> we had we had a kid at boot camp who had a, a similar story with you know we had like our Liberty weekend and we come back in and of course the the um, the what's it called I can't even think their name now the the person R in charge of RDCs there you go the RDC um, he's standing there and he's uh, like okay who lost fart. something <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's like, who, who lost something, who, 
you know, who's missing something, who lost something over Liberty weekend, whatever. And this kid's like, yeah, uh, petty officer, I lost my, uh, my dog tags. And so he's kind of yelling at him. Like, why did you lose them? You should never take them off. Blah, blah, blah. Going into that whole spiel. And he's like, why did you take those dog tags off? And same thing without missing a beat. He's like, cause they were hitting her in the face <laughs> <laughs> and everybody just like, and it was just so Fell out of context. Laughing, yeah. yeah. But everybody just froze and then they all just lost it. And the, the chief that was standing there was like, all right, man, come with me. I'll get you. <laughs> we're going to go ahead and see new dog tag. <laughs> And, and give him a fist bump on the way out too. Like that's, that's my boy. Yeah. So it's one of those like, it, it's so absurd that it's not like the lesson isn't the most absurd answer is like going to get you off of something. Like, right. It's more of one of those, like just that blunt honesty of like, I think, well, this, uh, okay. I there's, mean, you- <laughs> there's something there though, that like, I feel like we've at least out in the submarine force and you guys can speak for the other, you know, some of the other areas, but like, there's this thing that I feel like we've lost as part of our identity where it's almost like, like if I'm going through the barracks and a, and a 25 year old guy has an empty bottle of booze in his room, I'm going to look at him and be like, really, bro? Like get rid of that right now. And I'm going to pretend I didn't see it unless it's a habit or unless the guy's having ARIs or having other issues. It's like, there's going to be like a, I don't know, like a gray area that I'm going to operate in and kind of make calls, you know what I mean? And like, Oh man, do that. Yes. Yeah. And do that so that these guys still have the trust in our, in leadership and faith in the chain of command. Because like, I feel like there's a ton of times where like, we're not allowed to just understand that like, and it's hard to like sailors will be sailors. Like there's this thing that there's gotta be like a gray area to operate in. And there's gotta be a little bit of pride in our, in our past. And like, and, yeah, and that's, I, I the, navigate yeah. those waters. That's yep. exactly when I became a chief, I positioned myself specifically knowing that I only had five years left because my plan was to retire at 24 yeah. was like, I am going to insist that I let sailors be sailors under the condition that they still got to show up. They still got to do this yeah. thing and they're going to do it well. Um, and here's a great example. So I'm doing the barracks rove, right? CDO duty, doing the barracks rove. You're not allowed to have overnight visitors. Yeah. It's a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. It's maybe 20 past 11. Uh, so I'm, I'm doing my rove and um, there is a couple um, that are being very vocal in their activity. <laughs> yeah. And she is very much enjoying herself. And I'm like, damn it, man. Like, okay. Not supposed to have overnight visitors. I was like, okay. So I'm going to go. I'm going to finish roving this building. I'm going to come back down. And if it's still going, I'm going to intervene. So I go search the floors, come back down. Um, and she is still rather enjoying herself. So I was like, all right, let me go outside, roam the outside of the building. I come back inside. It's all quiet. I said, like, all right, cool. So it's an ENFN. So I knock on the door and Oh, you know, you can hear, you know, shuffling about yeah. the room is, you know, they're looking for their pants and this, that, and the other. And, uh, kid opens the door and he's, you know, early twenties. And I, I, I see, you know, her, the, the bottom half of her legs on the bed. And I'm like, look, man, um, I want you to have a good time. And it, but if everybody on this floor can hear you having a good time, it's going to be a problem. And he looks at me and he's like, I understand chief. And then <laughs> even just like the, like, you know, she better not be here after midnight or so. I don't know. Like to just, and it, it is what, cause there's like two consenting adults. Like, we'll just like, what difference does it really make? And it's like, 
I, you know, like we had these policies. At, I'm defending morale. As a yeah, matter of fact. <laughs> I, there, we had these policies at the A school that were kind of like that, where it was just like we put them in this environment where they're only really exposed to uh, this small group of people in their class and the other classes. So there's about 100 kids there. And it's just like, yeah, of course, they're going to like date each other for the five minutes that they're there. And of, yeah, course, of course, they're going to want to like get in each other's rooms and stuff. And it's just like. It, we had this policy where everybody they were segregated by gender and they were split by floor and they one couldn't be on the other floor and blah 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 and of course the brilliant like function to prevent that was we had a student rover because they're totally going to turn anyone in ever so but <laughs> right. we also had motion activated cameras with a DVR that I could search for motion so it was wired like a casino and the kids didn't know so it's oh, like damn. yeah so they're, they're not going to get away with anything but then at the same time when it would come up and i'm the nmt lcpo and i'm just like like what happened and they explained to me like okay just go talk to them like i write them a little chit thing that's like a little warning kind of slap on the wrist and right then just like if it happens again or if somebody complains or like it's different but it's like if they're they're just they're adults and they're making decisions and yeah, it violates our policy, which you again, you can go, you get into that place where you're like policies are in place for a reason. And if you break this one, you might be willing to break all these other ones, but it's kind of like, come, like how much it, leadership so I, capital I, I, am I going to expend on something that, that that's that, you know, I think for like, us, like silly psychologically though, like sometimes that's, it's the, it's the follow-up shot to this, what, six weeks of boot camp. Yeah, where you literally just tore somebody down from who they were, and then you turn them into a sailor, and now you have to do this follow up of yeah. like slowly reintegrating them back to society, right? And for like lack of a better term, so it's like, I mean, I got to I got to give a shout out to Gurney Mills Mall. Uh, anybody that was a had their had a, had a school up in Great Lakes, but uh, uh, having to go like in your in your peanut butters or like Johnny Cash's or whatever, going to that mall for like the first two weeks, like yeah. You literally had yeah. nothing to buy, but you just wanted to go because yeah. it's yeah. just like, yeah. you know, it's just something to do. Reintegrate so, yeah. the humanity a little bit. But you know, I the minute a, you like went to there with like civilian clothes and a backpack just so you could go like see a movie or something. And then like someone catches you and they like totally rat you out. And it's like, why am I even getting yelled at right now? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like an instrument of national security. And I can't even wear civilian clothes. Like, <laughs> right, yeah, right, yeah. I had so I think one of the things as I was thinking about it, I had a chief when I was cross rating, um, who was a uh, a photographer's mate chief, PHC Rob Edgar, um, and he was one of those guys who was like, I'm going to let sailors be sailors, yeah. right? And so I was a second class when I cross rated, and. Uh, he the, the the barracks the young kids had been screwing up so he established a um a ten o'clock curfew twenty two hundred curfew for everybody uh, for like two weeks weekends included boom that was it but I had won tickets to a Guns N' Roses concert in Washington <laughs> D.C. and the show was going to start at midnight and there was no way in hell as yeah. a second class fleet returnee that I'm missing a Guns N' Roses concert so I was like all right here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to schedule the cab to come pick me up. I can then take the last train to DC. I can catch the show. It's Guns N' Roses, so they're probably going to be a little bit late taking the stage. I was like, all right, cool. So I open up my bedroom window, and as I'm sneaking outside, I, I land on the ground, and I was my room was positioned right above the stairs that went down into the boiler room. Now it's 11 o'clock at night, 
and Chief Edgar's the CDO, right? Yeah. And he's the barracks manager and he's the CDO that night. And I land and I see a glint of light out of the corner of my eye. And there's Chief Edgar as the CDO with a can of beer to his mouth, right? And a six pack next to him. <laughs> and I looked at him and he looked at me and it was like, you know, the Mexican standoff. <laughs> yeah, right. <you> know? <laughs> And I was like, okay, I got him dead to rights. He's got me dead to rights. So I, I closed my window slowly and I just slowly backed away, right? And I didn't see him again for like another three days. And then <laughs> I was walking into his office and he was coming out of his office. And we were both doing that thing where you're talking over your shoulders so you don't quite see where you're going. Um, and we literally bumped straight into each other, right? And then I looked at him and he looked at me and then we just started laughing. <laughs> and I was like, all right, the flashback okay. scene, like, huh? <laughs> yep. that's like, cool. We're good to go. I was like, all right, all right, all right. And that's, I think that really kind of informed my opinion. Like, did it really hurt anybody? I was a second class. I was a fleet attorney. Yeah. Nobody got hurt. You know, yeah, he had a six pack. Okay, big deal. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah I can say- see. I'll- in the calculus of the Navy, that was far more survivable for him than it would have been for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, there's no question about that. But um, I think that really kind of shaped my opinion of, of how to be a sailor, yeah. but also the letter of the law and the spirit. I could, yeah, I could. I see where <laughs> in that particular story as like a guy that used to do that job similar to that chief. It's like him, him drinking and then like, oh, what if I have to run a kid to the emergency room real quick? Probably not the best right, choice, exactly. but the, the moral of the story I totally get. You know what I mean? Where it's just like there's been a, there's been stuff where and I think mine was probably more informed by people not doing it. And me having that moment like you were talking about with the civilian clothes where I'm just like what why am i getting yelled at right now (laughs) i mean like but where like i was always too afraid to to like make my own decisions in that regard but i remember like seeing kids at the mall in san antonio where msa school was because i'm old uh they (laughs) they would go and like go with it in their backpack and change at the mall and just walk around in civilian clothes and be out all day and they were just classic move yeah and they were just like why don't you do it too and it's just like i because the rules say you can't like i just i don't know like whatever i'm I'm not gonna rat on you guys but like i'm not gonna do it either just because what if an instructor comes here for something like i'm not trying to be that guy you you cool man i was just too scared (laughs) to do it man and so but i also saw them doing it and getting away with it and was just sitting there thinking to myself like this is so stupid like why can't i just wear civilian clothes like i'm not nick Nick coming with the dazed and confused reference i caught that it was nice he was asking, you know, like if you're cool, man. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is, uh, <laughs> it is a funny, like, I, we get it a lot out here, right? Because there's the obviously like the student to staff ratio is is crazy, right? So there's tons of junior people out here, and you know, pre pre Rona when you could actually go out and do things. Yeah. Um. So I remember last time, last time I was stationed here because it's my second time out here. So the first time I was out here, I was sitting around it. I uh, dropped my wife off for something. And I was sitting at Buffalo Wild Wings waiting for her, like around the corner. Yeah. So I'm just sitting there like having a beer, watching college football, hanging out at the bar. And a couple of seats down were students. <sighs> and like, I didn't know that, like I, yeah. maybe I should have because they I, they weren't one of my classes. Yeah. But I had I had a class where it was like a new set of 24 every month. So there was a ton of people that I that I taught. But but anyways, they were obvious students like people yeah. you can peg a you sailor can, from yeah, anywhere, can, right? it's not even a little so, hard to be like yep, right. those are students yeah there, there's so a look there, there's you sitting down there 
Yeah. So they're, it's that they're look sitting, of fear when they see you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're Shit. sitting like three three bar stools down or something, and I'm just sitting there, like literally not paying attention to anything, trying to enjoy a beer, watching college football, and like all of a sudden I hear this guy like he screwed it up because I wasn't an IT, but anyways, he was like, you know, IT one. And I'm just sitting there like, and it's one of those, like, if you recognize the dude like that, at least say his name, but whatever. Yeah. So he says it again. And I finally, I just they like thought, slowly look over to my side. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. They thought. I slowly look over to my side and this guy's like, see, I told you it was him. And they're like, Hey, how's it going? And I'm like, just hanging out. How's it going with you guys? And they're like, Oh, good. I mean, we just got here. You know, we're just going to have like one beer and then we're yeah, going to go totally. whatever. And it's like, <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, oh, okay. Well, that's kind of a Why weird would you place to go for try one to quick get your beer. attention? I'd be like, hey, we need to leave right now. I'm just it's like going back. Yeah. It's like going up I'm to just the cop laughing. and being like, we're totally not on drugs. Like, we're totally. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, funny story about that. I do have a very funny story about that too. But anyways, we're, uh, but yeah, they said that and I'm just sitting there like, uh, I mean, okay, that's so I, cool. All right. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm going to sit here and drink beer until my wife picks me up because she's <laughs> shopping, you know, or whatever it was like, I don't, I don't know. Like I get yeah. it. Like I'm sure those are all the rules and whatever, but it's also like, I don't, I am. I really don't care, dude. Like I avoided, you could have not said a word. And, I avoided the mall like a plague, and most of like the hot spots around it. Because like just talking to the students, you knew where they went, and so that whole oh, yeah. surrounding area near the base, I just wouldn't go there. Like I would go out of my way to drive further away to not go there, unless like there was like the only way I could go get something or I needed something last minute, and it, the only place was at the mall. I would just like dart in and dart out with like my hood up and sunglasses on because I just like I don't want to deal with it man because it's like yeah. walking through the Navy Exchange in Norfolk oh. where it's like I got to stop every 10 feet to correct a sailor or I got to just like close my eyes and like plug my ears and run through the place and so it's just like they, I can't do it and it's like they don't want to see me anyway so it's just like nah I'm good yeah. like I'm just going to stay away from there like the place is radioactive so that That's they can just, have their time it's just time funny because like there's there's a bunch of those of like you know you run into people at odd places um and and it's just like my favorite was sitting at uh so they they do out here they call it sail fest right they, yeah it's I've like a there. big thing for the week or whatever right yeah so they close down all of all of bank street all that downtown yep. street it's just full of bars and so one year we went to go down there for something and it was like my wife a bunch of her coworkers. And then it was just kind of like me and another husband that was tagging along. Yeah. And um, one of the coworkers, though, she wasn't 21. She was only like 19, I think. And so there was one bar that you could get into at as long as it was 18 and up. And you could get in there and they just gave you a wristband if you were 21, right? Yeah. Um, oh, God. <laughs> so, and I'm like, I don't. But so they were like, hey, we're going to go down to this bar. Do you mind? And I'm like, I mean, I don't, I don't care. Do they serve beer? Like, I'm fine with it. And, uh, it's not like their beer tastes funny because it, you know, Bud Light's Bud Light. Yeah. Um, and so we, we go down there and apparently I didn't realize it, but they kept asking me if we were okay with it. Cause it was a gay bar. Oh, uh, okay. And, but I had no idea and, and I really didn't care. And it was not my first gay bar I've been into yeah. anyways, but it was like, we got there and I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Like again, Bud Light tastes like Bud Light. I right. don't, really don't care. I'm standing here <laughs> hanging out with everybody. So uh, so we're sitting there drinking the beer and like, I went over to go get another beer and, and I'm standing there at the bar and I looked over and I, same thing, obvious student alert, right. that you see him down the other end of the bar and he saw me and must've done like 
a triple take and then I swear like almost fell over himself trying to like <laughs> ducks like spin move out of there. Yeah. But it was one of those like, Scooby oh my God, action. he can't see. But yeah, but it was one of those like, I'm laughing because I'm like, why are you weird about being here? Because I'm also here. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> whether it was because I am also like, I don't know if he was gay or if he was just following, you know, yeah, doing yeah, the same yeah. exact thing as me. But it was just funny because it's like, either way, number one, it doesn't really matter. But yeah. number two, like, it's why is he being so weird about yeah. it? I am also at the same place doing the that's, same thing. That's right. exactly why we have mindfulness training. If he had been mindful of the situation, he wouldn't have. <laughs> I was, it's, it was just funny. Cause I wanted to be like, dude, don't ruin your night. Like, yeah, we're, like you're I'm good, not here bro. I'm not, I don't yeah. care. Like <laughs> order another beer. Remember like, when I was you were like in, in like high school or something, you like saw a teacher out in town. You're like, Whoa, yeah. Whoa man. Yeah. They they have a teacher, and it's like that teacher does not care at all yeah. that you are there. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I thought you lived in the math class. Yeah, you're I like, thought, dude, I thought you slept under your desk. <laughs> I was I was I was traumatized because I uh, a group of um, uh, uh, women teachers had formed a trivia team uh, at the you know the local you know whatever place where they did trivia when yeah. I was in high school and um, you know and they're all like heavyweights like you know the AP English teacher and the AP Chem teacher like very very smart ladies <laughs> but they're all you know you don't. You know, you don't even know your teacher's real first name, you know? And right. It's Mrs. So I walk, yeah. And I walk in with a buddy of mine because we're going to play trivia too. And they are smokehousing everybody. They are just <laughs> running, you know. But um, their team name traumatized me because it was, uh, it was, we don't have our cherries anymore, but we've got the boxes they came in. <laughs> <laughs> Some silver foxes, Yo. man. I was, wow. I was like, Mrs. Zeisloft, you're 70. No, you're like, wow. <laughs> that's hilarious. Like, you're that's... supposed to be teaching the Scarlet Letter. No. <laughs> yeah, but it's like you have like, like such an inability to like to like humanize them. And it's it's the same with your junior sailors that are like at a session commands. Like, yeah, maybe some of them are older and like they kind of like are over it and they're a little more mature. But for the run right. of the mill, I can only imagine looking back at like my own experience because uh, I've, I've never been like an A school instructor or anything, but. Yeah. Just yeah, like just total deer headlights. Like even if they ran into you like at the exchange, they would probably like yeah. intentionally go to another aisle. <laughs> I just well, I just that, assume <laughs> that or they like seek you out and it's like, dude, I had this like they had like a hero complex with a lot of the instructors at the A school and I was just like, we're just yeah, people. Like yeah. Happens. It was really weird. I I it took me a minute to realize it, but then once I did I was really careful with how I presented myself to the students because it was like, they're not looking at me like I'm a human being. They're looking at me like I'm a no. superhero. And it's like, I'm not at all. So it's like, I don't, I need to like be really careful about the human moments I have in front of the students where it's like, not just, not like that I need to hide them necessarily. Like, but I also like could, I don't know, like undermine their view of chiefs in the future too. So it's like, I got to be like, really careful that like when I have a moment where I need to vent to some chiefs, it needs to be behind a closed door and I need to make sure students can't hear me or like, That's a real thing. You, you know what I mean? Like I had to be really That's careful with how the division happened because it was just like, man, these kids are not looking at me like I'm a human being that can make mistakes. And so was, they were looking at me like I was like some comic books, like character. And I'm just like, this is weird, man. Uh, made public yeah, speaking really easy though. Like that's definitely a hard thing. Like I feel like half the time our office door is closed. Not it's not that it's closed half the time, but yeah. half the time that it is closed, it's because we're trying. Like it's not even that we're saying anything crazy. It's just that mm. 
I don't need like, you know, we're going to complain about stuff just like everybody else is. But right. yeah. when we're trying to then go out and sell it to a bunch of students, like I don't need them to hear me complaining about it or they don't, yeah. I don't need them to hear about whatever stuff is going on because they had that same thing. It's like they, they hear that and it's like, Oh, well, I, I mean, yeah, I am a normal human and I'm going to have these same thoughts, but those really like, you're not meant to hear those. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's definitely a weird situation with that, with the, you know, how, how you present things, but it's, I feel like it's very much of a, uh, not that they don't know any better. They're not catching on, but it's like that first session portion of it is so yeah, different. It's, and it I is. feel like that's why those rules, like earlier when we were talking about like finding, you know, a booze bottle in somebody's room or whatever the case is, I feel like it's very different if I'm talking to a dude who's, you know, a month out of boot camp compared to yeah. a second class in the barracks. Like, they probably have the same rule, but one or maybe not or whatever. But if they had the same rule, I will treat those situations very differently. Yeah. But I feel like I should also. Yeah. Like I, and I get that that's not necessarily holding a standard, right? Because a standard means the same everywhere. But I feel like there's, you know, like you were saying, there's that, that the spirit of the law instead of the letter of the law. Like, am yeah. I really that worried about this? Is this the hill I'm going to die on for this one dude? Yeah. And like how, how dangerous is it too though, that like, like you're saying the big difference between like the new accession pipeline and the fleet where it's like, when you go from being like taught about a Navy, that's not real. And then you get into that real Navy and you, there's that adjustment period of like two months, three months where you're like assimilating into, Oh, everything they told me was a lie. <laughs> and like, yeah. I don't really, I don't really have to call anybody petty officer. And like, I don't have to, I don't have to do this or that. And they all start relaxing and you know, they, they, the military bearing and the strict adherence to rules. And stuff, you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. feel like we're setting them up to fail. And I think a lot of the bitterness that we find between junior enlisted and chiefs, like that's where it starts. I feel like the origin story is that we're, we're teaching them about a Navy that's not real on a lot of levels. I, and I don't I know. Like I, think you that, and I, I think that extends beyond the military. I think that's a societal issue. Like, really? For example. Um, so I, I went from high school to college mm-hmm. and it was, it was, and then I had to do it again when I, when I enlisted, I went from the civilian side, I went from college to the Navy um, and it was like, you want me to figure out the rest of my life when four months ago I had to raise my hand and request permission to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, like there's some incongruency there, you know, and it's like, you know, at boot camp it's regimented and at a school it's, it's a little less regimented, but it's still, you know, the military. Yeah. Um, and then you get out to the fleet and you're like, oh, it's a, it's a free for all. Yeah. Like, they're like looking at you like, why are you asking for permission to do that? Just go do it. And they're like, wait, what? Yeah, just, like five well, we, minutes ago, the, this was institutionalized. We had to talk about that. I feel like before, I don't remember if it was on an episode or not. Uh, but yeah, probably. We had kind of talked about it. Like the, the difference is it's not that those things are, you know, calling everybody petty officer and doing those things. Like those aren't wrong. Right. Those, yeah. now I'm not saying that it need it should be happening in the fleet necessarily, but it's not like you're wrong in doing that. And I get that the, the general fleet is going to be much more relaxed compared to, you know, obviously boot camp and, and especially most A schools. But um, it's not, I don't think that it's wrong to at least set those standards. And again, they're going to show up and they're going to call their first class petty officer over and over and over. And the dude's going to get annoyed and yeah. tell him to stop. But it's still like, it's, it's more respectful than, ha- and, and if they're in that habit, than if they were to walk in and be like, what's yeah. up, dude. And they're like, but, who, why are you talking to me about like, but I feel like, I, I don't know if you taught, if mean, you taught them that there could be a culture that worked that wasn't like that because that's what they're going to find in the fleet anyway. You know what I mean? Like 
I'd say by and large, and like I know Nick's probably like in his community, it's a little different. Like, but and it works the way that they do it. Also, yeah. it's just like a little yeah, more relaxed than what it. we do. But it's like in the fleet, no one's calling anybody by those terms by and large. It usually starts at the chief and officer level where you start addressing well, all, somebody by their title. De- it all yeah. depends, right? So like right. early on, I think everyone, I think, learned this lesson early on, which is just a guiding principle. You never assume familiarity with anyone. Yeah, right. And you, you should always start from a position of like formality. Right. That's why you, right. when you when you first check on board, you arrive in your dress uniform. Like you are, it's an immediate right. display 100%. of like I'm at the, my most professional yeah. first day, and then sure. know, I can walk around and everyone now immediately because we in especially in the Navy we wear everything that would tell anyone of any significance yeah. of your career. Like at boom, well back when we had red stripes, gold stripes, but like you know yeah. you could you could at least be like. <laughs> Oh, dude, that's a, it's a four red stripes, you know, like, red, red is not required. Gold is not required. It's just authorized. It, right. Which right. means a I whole st- bunch st- of people st- that shouldn't have them are wearing them right now. So there you sure. go. So <laughs> I, I then probably the wear five red. Yeah. 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 I mean, be, beyond all that, but then you can, you know, you can see how many deployments a person's had, have they been to combat right. this, that, you know, like, yeah. so like that is, that's day one. But then from there, you get you personally get to decide one how people address you, but then you have to work it out slowly. Yeah, but I and, and I test guess, those waters. I guess what I'm saying is why don't we why don't we explain that you should never assume familiarity, and these are the ways that you present yourself until familiarity is worked out at the whatever like unit you're at, instead of just defaulting like high into the right to formality without explaining why. You know what I mean? Like I, I feel like. There's probably a discussion about like, like this is just the proper way to address these people, and thou shalt do that because I said so, and that's probably where well, it ends. At least that's how for I some people, it. Maybe they're doing for it some now, people that know. that is their why, because that's what yeah. they feel like that that's why we're doing this. It's not that's that's how they're not going back yeah. to the root, which is the. Why. I look yeah. at it as I look at it as I was always told like you can't break the rules until you learn like you have to know how to do it right before you can do it wrong. Right? Yeah. And again, so it's it's the same idea. Like you have to learn all of that stuff yeah. before you can break all that. And I'm not saying like you got to know the right way before you can be the scumbag. I'm not saying <laughs> not to learn it. I'm just saying we're teaching them that the Navy they're walking into in the fleet is this. Yes, petty officer, no petty officer, right away, petty officer environment. And that's not what it is. So I'm saying right. like when like you can teach them the same thing with the understanding that like it's going to get relaxed as you assimilate into the unit and as you put on rank and that these are the reasons why that happens and interpersonal relationships and communication are a thing and blah, blah, well, blah. I mean, you're, you're, you're discussing theory versus practical application. And I, 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 I can't find any holes, Nick, in, in what you said. I think what you said was completely spot on. And in fact, I wish I had said it because it's, it's right on point. Um, but yeah, you're talking about the theory of, of professionalism and, 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 uh, military courtesy and respect as opposed to the practical application. And I mean, I've played softball when I was a junior sailor with, you know, guys that outranked me and were chiefs and officers and, you know, being smart enough and recognizing the difference between a softball field and, you know, the workplace is, is just inherent Yeah, in my mind. And, uh, but a lot of people don't get that, you know, because yeah. they maybe don't have a sort of um, maybe a, a skewed societal norm, you know, and, yeah, we should definitely, I agree with the both of you. I think you should definitely explain why we do this and why, you know, in certain situations, the standard is relaxed. But um, 
and in other situations it's not, you know, and yeah. so it's a really valid point, but yeah, that's the difference between theory and practical application. Yeah. yeah you guys have both done A and C school rotations. Um, we kick people out for not uh, being able to conform to military standards, like uh, failure to conform to a military lifestyle. Yeah. Well, at some point, mm-hmm. I think we can all agree that, you know, we wear a, a tape that says U.S. Navy. They're, we're in a joint service environment. We, we have to actually at some point adhere to some sort of custom and courtesy. Right. Uh, yes. We, we can voluntarily erode that to flatten communications. And I think in my, in my community, that's, I think that's the best w- express way to explain why we call each other by our first names for the most, for most of the time. Now, granted, I did say it like even on our, the interview that we did, like yeah. if the, if the CMC of the unit comes down, if it's a bunch of senior guys in the room, then yeah, it's probably going to be a first name with that guy. And you know, that'll, that'll be determined by reading the room or, yeah. or finding out, is this dude cool? Cause there, there are, I also talked about that. Like there inherently will be people in every community that are just hard ons. They're just, they just, they're, <laughs> they're like a million miles an hour. They're the ones with the landing strip haircut. Like they're everywhere. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So they got a they got a haircut you could set a watch to. Yeah, they have, like they're the people when you go to like you have to break down and you just have to get a next haircut because it's just it's just your last chance like you have to get a haircut and they're the people when you sit down they they already have a haircut but they're getting their haircut again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know like yeah. <laughs> they're they're those people. So eh, those people will never want to be called by their first name. So and they're never going to be changed. No, they're it, they're the hands in your pockets guys. A hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. The guys that I have spent a career avoiding. (laughs) And I I don't mean like they're the hands in your pockets and then you soften up on it. I mean like they're the dudes like a hundred feet away in a parking lot will snipe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and like come running, you know, and it's like, what is this screaming in your life, man? (laughs) I was grabbing my keys out of my pocket, but then you don't even get a chance. It's just an excuse to bully somebody. Yeah. I, well, there's that, but I also think that it's, um, People who didn't come from a uh, a decent background that have found safety and comfort in always adhering to the rules without any interpretation of that gray area that we've discussed, and they need regimentation, they need yeah. structure all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and institutionalized and that's, man, yeah, yeah. But I think it even goes, you know, a little bit further beyond that, Nick. I think it's more of um, there's a simplicity sake to it. Yes. If yes. you yes. just do what you're told and yeah. you, you just, you don't want to have to think about, you don't want to have to worry about reading like the room. The you don't want to have to yeah. think, am mm-hmm. I allowed to do this? Do I have to, you just want to be told like, you will now go eat lunch and you go, okay, this is yeah. easy. Now I go eat lunch and yeah. then well, I yeah, come back. Forrest Gump said it, man, just make a bed real neat, stand up real straight. Because you told me to. Yeah. Real sorry, dude. Dude, that yeah, and that, that you're I right. tell students all yeah. the time that exact line will get you 20 years in a retirement and a paycheck the rest yeah. of your life. And that, but that also like, I, like you were saying those, those characterizations of what a chief quote unquote should be. It's like, that's what it's like. They're, they're doing what they think is like the move. Like the, like what they, the characterization of an E five or an E four has of a chief, right. All the memes and all the crazy stuff that I see on Reddit right. and social media. It's like, that's what some people with that need for the regimentation you're talking about and the simplicity, it's like they're just 
faking it almost like they're doing what they think they should be doing instead of trying to take the time to understand the why behind it and apply leadership principles to Mm -hmm. unique situations and individuals and like figure out where they should go from there. It's like, yeah, they just snap at him from across the parking lot and don't give that moment of pause to see if maybe he's just grabbing some chapstick because even though sea lawyer 5,000 is going to say that every single time, (laughs) maybe he really is just getting something. You got to give him a second to like, cause that happens all the time. We're all like count to 10 and it's like, he'll be rummaging around for something, pull something out of his pocket and then keep it moving. And it's just like, well, there you go. So (laughs) it's real. It happens. Even though Nick probably always has his hands in his pockets anyway, it's fine. I mean, if I'm I could not do better. it while I was sitting comfortably, I would do it right now. I mean, I mean I, I'm pretty sure you are doing it right now, and you're just lying Nick, to me to make in, me feel better. In solidarity with you, Nick, I'm putting my left hand in my pocket right now. Yeah, we're Rude. doing it. Rude. Yeah. We're in another man's house right now, gentlemen. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's I, just, I, um, I, I, I always, when I, you're a chief, those, like you I, have I, to make that decision. Like what, and what, how much liability am I willing to take on board? Yeah. You know, that's, that's not just a chief thing. I mean, it's like everyone has to make that decision at some point. Like at, at how much am I willing to take on to where I know if I get popped right now, will I be able to take it? Like, you know, yeah. at least like yeah. there's that will kind of to- common saying, like do what your rank can handle, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> You know, yeah, a, I, there was there was a hilarious um, uh, W. Kamal Bell just released a, a stand up album. Right. Mm-hmm. And because I do my own podcast on the side, it's all music. I did a comedy show uh, just, you know, for COVID to kind of lighten the spirit. But yeah. he was talking about uh, the use of the N word. Yeah. Right. And he's like, white people ask me all the time. When can I say the N word? When, when, when can I say it? When can I say it? And his answer was flawless. He said, when you can accept responsibility and the consequences of using that word, yeah, that's when you can say it, you know? And it, it goes right back to what Nick was saying. Like, if you're willing to accept responsibility and the liability for what might could happen. Yeah. Yep. Go for it. Yeah. Do it. I, man, I like. Sign that check. I, I did it a little too much, I think, when I was a younger chief because I thought I was like shielding my guys, you know, and like taking care of them. And I quickly learned that like I can do both a lot of the times where it's like if I would communicate with my CMC and I'd still get to do the same thing. But as long as he's looped in, I'm not going to get punched in the face when he finds out about it. And then there was other times where it's like there's just situations that I would handle at my level that I'm just like, you know, if somebody finds out about this, I'll have some splaining to do. But it's like I'm willing to take the risk, you know, and I, I definitely and I don't know if it's just a mental hurdle, but like. I did. I started doing a lot more of it when I put a star on because I was just like, "What are you, you know, like, what are you gonna do to me? Like, really?" <laughs> so I was yeah, just like, say that's that's more of the sign of maturity, like just kind of moving yeah. up. But like the the kind of trying to be that caricature, that's like a pro boot chief move. Yeah. Like that's your mm-hmm. that's like you just you have the assumption and the mess of like I'm supposed to be this this uh, kind of uh, proto kind of uh, embodiment of all these kind of things that I've seen or people have shown me to be the the way but it's yeah man i had it explained to me when i was like an, an e5 that was like man that's the same dude they were when they were an e5 they just wearing hankers man it's yeah. like right. nothing changed it's like the only reason yeah. why the door on that chief's mess is so thick is so you can't hear all the stupid conversations they're having man. <laughs> oh god i mean you're not wrong uh, you're not wrong uh, i mean uh, there's some truth there I would say, yeah, I would say too, like, I think that the, the, like the sign of a good mess is that like we, cause we would have that 
in my last mess where it was like we had those like moto boot chiefs that were trying to like be that caricature because they were brand new and they didn't really know what to do with their hands so they were just trying to figure out figure it yeah, out as they went along uh, some real arpox man good. yeah and you'd have to pull them in oh, there god. oh you'd have my to, god you'd have to pull them in there and freak out and just be like look man like that's not how you do this and this is why that's a bad thing and like you'd have the the senior guys rallying around them and kind of chin checking them and letting them know like this like look that's not that's not a thing that we should be doing and here's why and like the only way to kind of overcome that and it didn't always work because you just i don't know you get these guys that are convinced they know better than the collective wisdom of however many hundreds of years of service like yeah you're totally right boot that's what that's what happened you woke up this morning <laughs> and you were the freaking oracle of chiefing that's totally what happened but it's like they they sometimes they'd listen sometimes they wouldn't but the the uh, willingness for peer to peer accountability like i that's and i find that like it's not as prevalent as it should be, at least in my experience. I don't know what you guys have seen, but like just like even like a chief being willing to be held accountable by another chief, because like I know I was the idiot that put it on at nine and a half years and thought I was immediately equal to the guy that's been a chief longer than I've been in the Navy, but he's still a, a, like a chief, not a senior chief or mess chief. And I very quickly found out because that mess was so good at a peer to peer accountability that oh no no i'm the boot that sits in the corner and shuts my mouth and listens like you're you're part of the furniture bro like that's where you are until you learn and until you show us that you you can do more but like even the first season like a year in the first season my cmc just looked at me he's like i don't want to hear a word out of you during training or anything else like this is your first season on the other side of the looking glass you guys are part of the furniture and you're here to learn how to be a chief and a mentor through this process. So I want you just watching so you can soak it all in. And then when they leave, you ask questions and then we start training you. And I was like, that makes a ton of sense, man. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, it's a genius move. I yeah. mean, it's, it's uh, that's, that's par for the course, you know, at amphibious construction battalion one. Yeah. I learned know? a lot um, more doing that. That's for sure. You know, I, we see this behavior a lot too in, in, um, senior first classes who are really trying to make chief like they go way over the top and they go high and right yeah and they're the guys that are dogging out you know junior sailors for you know hands in the pockets and you know your your hair's touching your ears well man my hair grows fast you know <laughs> um you know th those hardcore guys and I've, I've pulled a couple of them aside and been like hey man um you He's ever up. just try talking to him yeah, yeah. You know, to you know like you gotta work with these dudes, right? Like, yes. <laughs> yeah, right. Like they're they're gonna they're gonna deliberately drop the ball just so you just get to make you look stupid. Pumped. Yeah, like yeah, right. they, they like, have they're to. They're not dumb. You know, these people have to follow you, right? Like, like, would you respond to that type of leadership? No, because of course you wouldn't. No, it, so stop being that guy. It's, it, it's that line from uh, David Bowie's "Changes." You know, these children that you spit on. Yeah, they're they're quite aware of what they're going through. <laughs> Yeah. You know, they, they know and they know exactly what you're trying to do. And yeah. yo, man, throttle it down and let's be a human being about this because it's a human being that wears this uniform. Probably going to edit that yeah. out. Just yeah, you're going to have a great <laughs> job editing just <laughs> a lot of Jason stuff. I'm probably I've already got a page of timestamps of him cursing. So I already have. To oh, I just flag it. The timestamp <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. puts a little marker Wait, on, on it. This was this was goats after dark. It is, so I, I know, I know, I know. But I promised yeah, but iTunes still, we wouldn't curse. So I was going to say oh, it's still yeah, produced yeah. on Disney Plus. Yeah. Though. Yep. Oh, so. man. Uh, oh, OK. So, I mean, right. I'll I realize. We'll just bleep it. They'll, they'll know. They'll know that you cursed, but they won't. I mean, I'll be the. Yeah, I'll be yeah, the contrarian. They, they will, they will. 
I'll be the contrarian and say that the mess on my side says you better be ready to do it day one. Like you should be able to walk out of that chief's pinning and you're the chief now. And I don't mean like, yeah, you're the chief, but like, shut up. Like, no, your opinion is now required at the mess. Like, yeah, people are going to I've ask heard, you and they're going to, they're going I, yeah. to genuinely weigh your opinion because you have the freshest perspective yeah. of what the white hats are doing and what, what they're thinking where all their guys have, it's gone completely stale. Like they, they have lost their connection to what that, there are guys like, it's going to happen to me. Eventually I'm going to become upside down. I'm going to have yeah. more time in yep. khakis than I had as a white hat. Yeah. I'm about and there so, right now. Yeah. So like, I'm not saying that's every chief, but there are chiefs in the Navy that, yeah, like they, they will have had more time as a chief. Yeah, so and I, I like that approach better. I think that, I mean, I had a, th- this group, I mean, so I made, when did I make chief? Good God. 2011. So I, it was the group that I had had been, I mean, uh, there was a handful of them had made chief in the nineties. Like it was like the group that I, especially my CMC. So it was like the group that I had was a little more old school. And so it was like, I, I was part of the furniture for the first year. They, th- it wasn't like no one ever asked, but it was rare. You know what I mean? Like there were times where in situations that they didn't feel like they had the pulse of the crew, they would ask me those types of questions. Um, but it was, it was pretty rare. I, I, I well, like, I mean, and I like you, that valid. approach better. Like, I, I, I think I think it's absolutely valid because that's one of the things that we instill, you know, like the day you put the hat on, you're the chief. Yeah. And so um, I, I, I see both sides of the, you know, the coin um, on, on, on board the ship because I made it on board a ship. Um, it was very much. No, your opinion matters. Yeah. So fire, fire at will. I think know? it's yeah. Um, you need to be you need to like dual path. Like, yes, your opinion and voice matters a lot and it should be heard for all of the reasons we've discussed. But also you have to also you have to be very humble and willing to receive. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like I talked to uh, his name's James and I'm going to but- I'll probably butcher his last name because I don't actually know how to pronounce it. He's Parlier Parlier. Uh, his name's James. He's the CMC of the coal uh, when it was attacked. Oh, in Yemen. Okay. So I did an interview with him uh, last week. And one of the things that we talked about was like, he's, you know, he's an old retired guy now and he's been retired for a long time. Um, and I, the conversation we had was really cool. And I, it was like, it was like I was taking part in living history. Like I got to talk to somebody that was part of an event. I mean, that happened before I joined the Navy. Like I, I'm just like, it's, it's this abstract thing in my mind that I've read about on the internet, you know, and I've seen stuff on TV, right. but to, to, to listen to him tell the story, it was just, it melted my brain, man. Like I, there was an hour, hour and a half after that interview was over where I like, I had to sit down on the couch and like decompress, man. It was nuts. But we talked about, um, leverage retirees for chiefs training, education, and like the season and everything else. And like, I know there's areas that do it. I know it happens, but I don't think it happens anywhere near as much as it should because, and he, he made this comment about like, he's like, look, uh, there's, I try to stay plugged in because I participate in seasons a lot and I go talk to chiefs at like khaki balls and stuff like that. So he's like, I try to stay plugged in. He's like, I'm not up on the most current stuff because of course I'm not. But there's a lot of stuff that is not a moving target about chiefing. And he's like, there's stuff that I've went through and experienced and learned that I like I've already I'm at the end and then some and I can download into those new chiefs. And that's the part of the like, that's the resource is like, there's things that are not ever evolving that are not moving targets that are just like static, like leadership lessons that 
that mm-hmm. those people are available to like dispense and it's just like it's not leveraged enough you know what i mean like i yeah. i've seen it a couple of times because like i invited my old cmc to do some 365 training back when it was called that and i it was the it was one of those trainings where like i did a couple and i did them kind of differently and they, and i got a lot of really good engagement and discussion and i would like hand out books and we'd use like ted talks and podcasts and stuff and it was it was good training and i got a lot of like really great feedback and discussion out of it but when i brought that cmc in he was the uh he was my cmc when i made chief and basically the guy that taught me how to be a chief uh still one of my mentors to this day great dude he's retired now but he came in and he had been retired for probably like 3 or 4 years when i brought him in and for him coming in, it was like he was super excited to do it. And then when he got in there, everybody in the room, I had like almost 50 first classes in that room and they were all just on the edge of their seat, like mouth agape, just like sitting there listening to this dude talk and just like soaking it in. And they were it was like they were starved for this type of stuff for for however long and they were finally getting to experience it. And it was just it was nuts to look around the room and watch them all think they were just coming in here to like check a box and get some signatures in their PQS or whatever. And they just sat there listening to this guy talk to him and he answered questions and stuff like that. And I mean, every one of them was on the edge of their seat, including me, because I love listening to this dude talk. And then when he was done and I walked him out of the building, like he thanked me half a dozen times on the way down the stairs because it was like he got to be Cobb again and stand in front of a group full of first classes and like dispense wisdom. And it was like, it was the coolest thing ever. And it was, it benefited both sides. And like, you just don't get that type of leadership development from anywhere else. Like, it's like, it's like getting to like stand inside a moment that happened 20 years ago and like relive it with the person that was there. And it's like, it just blows my mind that we don't take a like more advantage of that, I guess. Well, I mean, that's, that's why really heavy. everyone everyone says keep reading. Like that's that yeah. mass quote. Like yeah. you're not reading like 80 books a year or something like that. You're like you're failing. <laughs> uh, yeah. I forget what Which, number it is, but it's like it's it's a good it's a decent number. You know, it ends yeah. up being like a book a week. But like, yeah, um, <laughs> it's they're still writing books on leadership. People are still out there putting down new ideas. Um, but then when you boil them down, I mean, yeah. generally speaking, there's some good core tenets that. As you start to read, that's why it's so important to read them is because then you just start right. to kind of see like the common trends among all these like different, <laughs> these different yeah. uh, authors and what their, what yeah, their perspectives are. Reinforces the bedrock. Yeah. 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 It's like, well, that's the one thing that, that bums me out about, um, I mean, so you can read all these things and it's interesting because I feel like even that is kind of put through a filter, right? Like just like this, this episode, these st- this style of episode is kind of meant to remove any sort of filter of like the I'm trying to present a, a topic, you know, for like the spin the yarns, you've got a thing that you're trying to put out. Right. Yeah. Unless you, there's no, like, there's no ability, <laughs> <laughs> there's no ability to like question that or, or ask more, get yeah, more yeah, details. Yeah. There's no follow-up questions. Right. And even then the way something's presented, it's going to be like, Oh, this was, it was a very difficult day that I had. Right. Yeah. But it's like, well, no, like, what do you mean? It's a difficult day. Like, I want to know how, what, and I want you to like, I want to see the way you describe a difficult day right. and what that is. You know what I mean? So you get that out of talking to somebody that you don't quite get out of, out of reading most books at least. That And I think um, there's a relatability too to like, like, like I'll learn a lesson better if I hear it from the perspective of like somebody that is doing something similar to what I do. Right. Like, and I right. think like, 
that could be within the confines of the military generally, but like, especially like submarining, like I've been there, I, I stood the place that they're talking about. I've been underway on nuclear power. Like I know what it means to not like have any connectivity, not be able to talk to my family and I'm, you know, stuck eating dried food and frozen food and that's all you get. And like, I, I've been in that environment and I, I can put myself in that place mentally and like feel that. And so like when they're explaining that type of thing. And so like when James was telling his story, it was like, like, I've been on a destroyer. I've never been underway on one, but I've like, I've been on one and I've had buddies that have explained things to me. So like, I could like, he was explaining like some areas on the ship and I'm like, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? And so like, right. It's, there's a relatability that I think makes the lessons translate better. And which is why the, like, I'm like these freaking retirees, man, like there's so much value there that I'm like, why, why don't we use that and, more? And depending so on I, the setting, like if you're, especially if you're talking about retirees talking to, to the mess or anything like yeah. that, it's, you're going to get a very different setting, right? Like I feel like a lot of the books were written as if you were to go describe something to the CO, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to tell them like, well, there was a malfunction with this equipment. Yeah. So we're mate, we're troubleshooting now when like, really what you want to say is you were like, idiot Johnny over there spilled his coffee on the keyboard <laughs> yeah, and then there's yeah, yeah. sparks coming out and he let the magic yeah. smoke out. Yeah. So now we got to go replace half this crap. Yeah. Like that's how you would, that's what really happened. And that's right, what you'd want right. to describe, but you're not, you can't say it like that in like a professional setting. Um, and I feel like, yeah, I mean, there are books that are written like that. I'm not, yeah, there I was going to say, there wait till you listen to James's podcast. Like it's pretty, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some stuff but I had to edit out. Cause I was like, I don't <laughs> think that, I think this is a little too much, but yeah, but that, like, I mean, that's good. the, that's the interesting part of like, well, so uh, I, that's, I think that that's why I like the talking to them instead of just saying, like, go read that. And I, I'm trying to do so more. Here, of I've that had too. this conversation on. <laughs> Go ahead, I've man, had sorry. the conversation about about the language. No, it's quite all right. Um, so I, I, I grew up in in a, a a New York London Jewish family, uh, and a huge one at that. Mm-hmm. And that oral tradition that got passed down through the Jewish family is still why we hold Passover seder's to this day, and and all that. So that number one speaks to why we have lost some of those stories about the early, uh, the U the early U S Navy, mm-hmm. because there's no one left around to tell those stories. And yeah. as, as the, you know, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the, the march of time continues, we lo- we're going to lose things. That's just inherent. Um, the relatability of the storyteller, but the language issue is something that I've had a great deal of problem with, on many separate occasions. And I, you know, I was a broadcaster in the military and, you know, you're, you're not, you can't curse on AFN. That's just yeah. not a thing you can do. And, <laughs> you know, and, and this is valid, but I remember sitting down with my department head when I was an instructor and this speaks to a much larger issue. And that is that sometimes we lose a tremendous perspective and it's, it literally sits right in our face because um, we're in it. You know, an outsider, maybe not so much, but because we're in it, we lose some perspective. Yeah. Um, and that is, he he refused to um, allow vulgarity in the bullpens when we were just, you know, being instructors. Mm-hmm. And I came into his office and I said, you know, Mr. Name Deleted, um, <laughs> we got guys in that room who have ended other people's lives. When we drop an F-bomb, um, or an S bomb, nothing actually happens. You know, war, which is what we are designed for 
is the worst thing that we can do to one another as human beings. It's the worst thing we can do, right? We're, we're talking about ending lives. And you're upset about an F-bomb that doesn't actually, that's not actually a bomb. It's not going to hurt anybody. Yeah. Right? But okay, so that's valid. But I also would argue that as we talk about professionalism, the idea is, at least in my head, that professionalism depends upon the profession. And some professions require broad shoulders, thick necks, and perhaps asocial behavior. <laughs> you're, right? I mean, yeah. Nick, you're an EOD guy. And I'm not going to go into to the th- – I'm not going to ask you and, and push you on this. But you've probably seen some horrifying things. And the vulgarity that came out of your mouth or somebody else's mouth is not what you remember about the situation. Yeah, I mean – I would, I would make the case, I mean, you're obviously making a good point, but like, I would add the caveat that like the things that I did operationally and the setting has to be taken into account vice. If I'm giving a professional presentation to like a group of kindergartners, (laughs) if I'm reading (laughs) Dr. Seuss, I'm not going to say, you know, and then Dr. Seuss started just laying 120 hate down on these, (laughs) you know, like it's not, not what Dr. Seuss meant for that to happen. Right. No, but I can understand like, yeah, you have to read the room. You, it comes back to like that emotional intelligence. Like you have to like, right. You have to, am I losing them by cursing too much? Like, but are you losing I, them? Are you losing them by presenting something like? So I think we've all sat through full speed ahead training, right? Like, are you losing them because they can't relate to this like super sanitized, shiny professional version of what it's like for this actor to pretend to be in the Navy? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I feel I feel like we could go well, I mean, a little we, bit we, we, a little bit looser than that to make it more relatable and ha- like how make it how actual sailors talk, maybe without cursing, but like. You know what I mean? Like it's not that's not how yeah. sailors behave. Like that whole thing, I, the whole time I was facilitating the training, I was just like, I this is not what it's really like in real life. Like this isn't how people so talk. Here, or, here's or, another. We, we literally go to sea on ships called destroyers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like it's 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 in our faces all the time. Yeah. You know, and um, to to somebody without context. The phrase, you know, violence doesn't solve anything is kind of silly without context because we put people on armed watch. Yeah, sometimes our very existence is predicated upon the idea that sometimes violence is, in fact, the answer. Yeah. You know, so and so here's an interesting thing, though, that I thought uh, or that I think about when I hear somebody like when somebody writes a book or like when you hear about like your or when you're with your interview of the CMC from the coal, mm-hmm. right? That's like the seems and there's and I'm not discounting it at all. That that's it's he would have a very interesting perspective, right? But usually in those big settings, like the people that write the books or or do those sorts of things are usually like the high level names or yeah, people like involved in those situations. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's the like I'm not around, yeah. I'm not knocking the CEO of a ship, but it's like his perspective is not as relatable to me as like, I want to hear from that, you know, like MM two who was laying in the rack playing, playing on his Xbox or whatever. And then like something crazy happened. And like the most, those are the people that I would want to, not that I don't want to hear from other people. The most hilarious part was when they were, when they got the ship, uh, onto like a transport ship, I forget the name of it, but they like literally set floating dry docks. Yeah. Set the ship on ship to bring it home. 
They, uh, right. as they were sailing out of the port in Yemen, that some young I seaman played a, a American badass by Kid Rock over the one MC. And like <laughs> there was media on board and like everybody was freaking out, like running and trying to get him to shut it off. But it was too late. And get the song that, was like, get that like, man a name. They probably for real. Yep. I was yep. like, I literally he told me the kid's name and I like shouted him out during the episode because I was just like, oh, my God, that's amazing. So, so, so like I, that was I, one I of the interesting things. Too many spoilers. Oh. Yeah. Please go ahead, Bob. Oh, no, I was just going to say. So uh, my great grandfather, he was in. Uh, he was a chief. He was in World War II. Um, he was on the uh, the Hornet CV-8. Wow. Um, he oh, was damn. on it when they commissioned it, and he was on it when they had to abandon ship because it, it, they basically lo- it, they scuttled it intentionally later. But right, yeah, it, they had to sink it during the. I think it was uh, Battle of Santa Cruz. Um, but either way, like huge. Like he's seen like actual naval warfare, right? This? Yeah, I'm no, gonna be it, mad at you for the rest of the episode, but continue. I so I literally grew up calling him Grandpa Chief. That's, um, that's I, the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. Is he alive still? That would be incredible. So so he so he I I grew up calling him Grandpa Chief, and I had no idea why. Um, even when I, until yeah. like I joined the Navy, I was like, oh, oh, that was. I just thought it was like a weird nickname that he had. Yeah. Right. It took me till I was like probably in high school to realize that wasn't even his real name. Yeah. I just thought he had weird parents. I don't know. Um, <laughs> So, but so like literally he was grandpa chief, like everybody knew him as chief literally until he died. Um, but so I remember talking to him about things and he was a surface SH. Mm. Um, and so it's interesting because like, I'm sure there's a book out there written about, oh, I know there's many books written about like the battle of Santa Cruz and different places. And I'm sure there's at least one written about the Hornet and the Doolittle Raiders and all that stuff that left their ship, right? Perspective of a shopkeeper. Yeah. exactly yeah. but that's what i'm curious like he's mentioned it and i've read some interviews that i've been able to find over the years from him of him like you know yeah i was you know working in my space and all of a sudden there's like bombs going off and we hear we got an abandoned ship and it's like okay but you know you're like looking around like well don't need the stapler and you know like <laughs> what do i grab what do i do yeah. you know it's like a different mindset you know and it's like that would be an interesting perspective because I'm not going to be the CEO of a ship doing all yeah, that stuff. That's yeah. not me. Right. So I want to hear the people like me that are doing just yep. the mundane and so, see what, how they deal with those situations. I, I've had this thought and I actually started writing, um, <laughs> without spoiler alerts, I started writing, uh, three seasons of television, okay. um, tentatively called Tin Can. Yeah. And, uh, I was on the USS John Paul Jones and we, the Sullivans replaced the Colt. Okay. After the bomb, yeah. we relieved the Sullivans, mm-hmm. right? And we were the first ship because 9-11 happened on our watch. We were in Bahrain when it happened. And we were the first ship to fire missiles into Afghanistan after 9-11. It was October 7th, mm-hmm. 2001. And uh, that night we played Thunderstruck by ACDC. Because <laughs> um, of course we did. Yeah. It's always ACDC. Yeah. But I was like, all the, the, the television and films that we've ever seen about the enlisted experience in the Navy are awful. They're awful with the exception of maybe the hurt locker. But I mean, I'm sure Nick, you can, no, it's just terrible. No, you you, you (laughs) totally went off. It's not a good movie. I don't know how it won the Academy award. I just, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. And, but no, I mean, if you're looking, if you're looking for like a legit interpretation, like the closest to real life interpretation of being enlisted, 
person in war is generation kill. Okay. That's 100. Yeah. Yes, it's 100. They so nailed it. Good. It, it is Dude, yeah. perfection. I, 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 mean, I thought with, it was like, like legit like, documentary, like real footage yeah. for the longest time. Yeah, I, I, I all, tell all people the, all the films, all the films, like Top Gun, yeah. not us. Crimson Tide, certainly not us. Nah, yeah, you know, dude, I mean, that's pretty, when, pretty accurate. No, it's not. Shut up. Oh, when I, <laughs> dude, when people ask me, I'm like, it's 95 percent down Periscope, five percent Hunt for Red October. Like that's right, like yeah. the cool part. It happens very, very rarely. The rest of it is just us being idiots. Yeah, exactly. True. And like Mash, the television show and the film, you know, it's about the officers and the enlisted experience is always there for comedic relief. And it's like, yeah. no, man, that's you're you're ignoring 95 percent of the Navy. You know, by ignoring that. So the idea was to write from, you know, the BMC's point of view, the GM2's point of view, the ENFN's point of view, and create this character, you know, because on a smaller ship, you know, you're tight, you know, and I'm sure it's it's even tighter on a submarine, literally and figuratively. So it's like, this is the, these are where the real stories are. And I know that the captains and the exos, they're the guys we want to think about. That's why they make movies like Top Gun, but that's not reality. Right. You know, the reality is you're down in a hole fixing an engine when something bad happens yeah. and you have to move and react. You're not in a, you know, a backlit red room with radar scopes going all around you and some cigar chomping admiral is like, well, we, we got to do this now. And yeah. it's not real, man. And it's like, come on, you know, give, give me something interesting because yeah. 95% of the Navy is that story right. and we're not doing it right. You know, and it's going to be a tough sell, but yeah, that's why is that it's not going to appeal to a mass audience because it's not shiny in Hollywood enough. Yeah. I mean, the best we got was Men of Honor and half of that was fictional. Yeah. Yeah. Like De Niro's character is completely made up. Yeah. You know, like it's just like, okay. Yeah. I mean, De Niro's character is like 30 people blended into one guy. (laughs) Right. You know, And, and, and that's what they think of us. You know, it's like. Oh, well, we don't have the most interesting stories. No, we actually have the far more interesting stories. Hmm. Our port visit stories are better anyway. (laughs) Yeah, we should just make a TV show called Port Calls. That'd be enough, man. (laughs) Oh, my God. I think they made that. Was it Live PD or Cops? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's just Uh, Guam. It's just pictures of like, uh, or videos of like somebody, somebody in Guam or like Yakuska with, with a GoPro on their head. (laughs) Oh dear. I'd be like the Blair Witch Project, but in the haunch. It's fine. (laughs) Oh God. That'd be such a terrible idea. It would be, but, but it'd be hilarious. Funny. Yeah. Vet TV, if you're listening, a, you need to get on that. <laughs> yeah. Just don't ever. You, yeah. There'd be so many blurred faces for real. To protect identities. <laughs> I will wait until I'm retired and I will sign whatever waiver you need me to sign, but I will participate in that project. Oh, that's hilarious. All right, fellas, I'm going to wrap this thing up. It's getting a little warm yeah. in this office and I got a t- ton of other things I got to do. Oh, I yeah. gotta record my own show now. Do it. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate it. All of your time, like always. This was super fun. And uh I'm sure we'll do it again sometime. Hey Bob, yeah. Nick, man, you guys had some great points and it was really cool hearing your point of view. I think um I'm gonna I'm gonna take a lot away from this. Some of the books that we mentioned, some of the points of view. Um I really wanna thank uh uh thank you guys. Um, yeah. I learned a lot and uh, it was fun. It was really fun. Who yeah? Yeah, Nailed it's it. always great talking to you guys. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I know it was a little long and I apologize uh, again. Thanks to to Nick, Bob and uh, and Jason for doing it. Um, I always get a lot out of, out of having those conversations. 
based on what I was going through at the time, because at this point, this interview was recorded a while back because um, I'm now done with radiation and about three weeks into recovery. So this was a couple months ago, but um, I got a little behind with everything, but finally got this thing edited and I'm able to get it up for you guys to listen to. Um, it really, really fun talking to these guys. Um, going forward, uh, I got, I'm reaching out to a bunch of people to start doing a couple interviews here and there. My social media program was on the fritz. So I apologize for that. The thing that I used to schedule posts, a bunch of stuff posted that wasn't supposed to, um, I, it, sometimes it just goes off. So you've seen the episode 58 image a few times if you've been paying attention and it's not actually up yet, but now, you know, if you're hearing this, it is. Um, but it's going up uh, as soon as I'm done talking and save this and export it and everything. But uh, and then the one for and the cats out of the bag with the next heritage topic, it's Loretta Walsh, because that one was up for like four hours today. Uh, so I apologize for that. It was a mistake that those images were posted saying that those episodes were up when they're actually uh, not yet. The next episode, I have a spin the yarn coming Monday and then uh, the uh, Loretta Walsh episode will be next. So. Stay tuned for that. If you need anything from us, as always, hit us up. Don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us. Don't give up the ship podcast. Or you can DM me on Instagram or Reddit at DGUS Podcast. Uh, hit us up if you need anything. Feedback, questions, comments, concerns, requests. I got a list of, uh, of episodes upcoming that I'm going to try to knock out. Um, and uh, I've got the time to do it because I'm still recovering. And my voice is to a place where I can actually talk for more than a couple of minutes without coughing and all kinds of other crap. So, uh, so yeah, if you need anything, hit us up. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And don't give up the ship. <laughs> <laughs>